Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Hardyanas. That was a fucking incredible episode, yeah, Delby. I need a reload on my nutrition. Uh, before we get into our guest and what we talked about, um, we have a big show in Exmouth coming up. Yeah. Um, and Coral Bay, two yep. shows. 18th, 19th of April. Um, uh, for the Col- Eclipse. Yeah. Mm. So if you know anyone going up or if you've got any um, mates that are in the area or passing through, please, please, please send it on. It's going to be huge. We've got me, Max Shane. Doing Who's Rhyme, I'll mm-hmm. do some stand-up. Squirrely will do some stand-up. And Branchy's doing a nudie run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, fuck. I didn't know about that one. But, yeah. yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a bit of fun up there. And we're going to get Dr. Robin Cook is going to be there now, the astrophysicist. So we're going to yeah. have a chat with him, probably do a podcast up there with him. Yeah, so um, definitely. And p- potentially a chance to meet him and have a chat with him. And if so. you don't know who Dr. Robin Cook is, jump on YouTube. <laughs> yes. Do us a huge, huge favour. Branchy's been busting his ass behind the scenes. Yeah, so YouTube, it's actually difficult. So we've been putting our links in like, you know, the Insta stories and on Facebook. But when you click it, you can't actually subscribe directly to YouTube straight away through the apps. It's yeah. weird. It's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. So go onto YouTube, find our channel and just click subscribe. We don't care if you listen and watch. We just need those thousand subscribers yeah. so we can then monetize. Yeah, so if you're a Spotify listener or iTunes or whatever, just do us a favor, press pause. Jump on YouTube now, please, 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 and just subscribe. You don't have to watch anything. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything. It's just yeah. giving us a subscriber. So. And it's cheaper than the Patreon, I guess. Yes. But uh, if you want to get on the Patreon, it's like OnlyFans for podcasts. Delby, you have done this very well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it is like OnlyFans for uh, for uh, podcasts. Basically, if you join the Patreon, you'll get bonus content, bonus episodes. Merchandise. Um, some, uh, and, yeah, what are they called? Uh, discount codes. Discount and, codes and to shows and all sorts of stuff. So plenty of benefits. And you get merch with it depending on what tier you get and some stickers and coffee cups and stuff so it's it's you get something out of it regardless yeah it's so good. you'll get benefits to the upper joke too which is epic we talk a bit more about that later in the pod mm. but we are joined by not Corey white no Corey green yes Corey green from athletic it's institute it's like reservoir dogs Corey is a, a strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. he is an iron man yep. he is a now a qualified nutritionist and an enemy of ego <laughs> and an enemy of ego he was fucking outstanding this is probably uh, i'm not talking shit i think this is your best episode we covered a lot of good things this is going to test if you slept well last night do you remember what we talked about yes obviously so we went through sleep that was um a big part of the early part of the podcast Mm -hmm. we talked about obviously nutrition um polarizing views um, different types of nutrition, how you can obviously lose weight, gain weight, all sorts of stuff. Um, so seed, seed oils? Touched on seed oils a little bit. I'm not an expert in seed oils, but yep. definitely talked about it a little bit. Um, and then we went into parts of exercise, um, my bit of my journey of nutrition. Yep. That's yes. a really interesting part. Yeah, yeah that was really good. Um, yeah, and I think we talked about a few other things as well, but it was a good good podcast, um, some learnings to take away from it, some uh Readings to take away, some yep. suggestions on that as well. So lots of good book suggestions. So oh yeah, there yeah. was very good. And um, as always, you know, when we're doing a health and nutrition podcast, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by <laughs> Raunchy. 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 Uh, Raunchy, the beer that actually tastes good. It's, it's actually, actually good. good. It's uh it it really is good. We did the launch the other day at yeah. um 
at for uh, convenience Sir, for their Sir Henry's Stout, the yeah. Irish Stout on St. And Patrick's Day. Again, I don't drink beer, I don't drink stout, mm. but I can stomach this stuff. So mm. there's your uh, there's there you your go. plug. But you know, and the heavy diesel was actually my favourite. You liked which was it, yeah. the Most alcoholic. But uh, drink responsibly and uh, yeah, enjoy our healthy episode. Yeah, let's get hard. <laughs> let's get hard. Welcome to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-host. Daniel Delby. And Cameron Brand. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance for the millions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get hard. Well, let's, uh, let's start on coffee and, and sleep patterns because Delby's been struggling lately. He's yeah. feeling a little average now and he's not been doing too badly. He's just yeah. been sleeping poorly. So Yeah, um, well, Sunday night was a big night. Yep. Um, so I can understand the last few days. But for as long as I can remember, I wake up every, like, I'll go to sleep and then two hours later I wake up feeling like it's been eight hours and always have, like, a nightmare or a really intense dream. Like I, I fall asleep like twelve, twelve thirty, and yep. I'm up at one thirty, two o'clock without fail. Yeah, going far. All right, time to start. I look, oh fuck, you know, and then I've got to go back to sleep. And poor thing, that'll happen two or three times. Is that um, is that overthinking things or whatever? Or because you go to sleep to podcasts, yeah, and listening to podcasts, not yeah. not drowning out. Yeah, I don't know, but I've always woken up sort of in two hour cycles. So, so I think there's a lot to this. So um, sleep is one of those things where for me, for athletes and anyone, it's, it's the number one thing for recovery. So we yeah. know that. Um, part of the messaging that I talk to my people about is trying to reduce obviously things that affect sleep. Now, Dr. Matthew Walker is a genius in this sense, but he talks about a hormone called adenosine. So when we wake up in the morning, you might have heard this before, yeah, adenosine rises. Adenosine triphosphate is what energy is made from right yeah correct and so then like but adenosine is a hormone that rises as soon as you wake up in the morning so as soon as you wake up adenosine starts to rise right I call adenosine <laughs> one minute so, it, we were yeah. one minute into the podcast <laughs> and I, I bit my was, tongue and I bit my tongue all I did was nod all I, the listeners will know oh, what I was thinking <laughs> and my youth members can't listen to this podcast now great. Uh, um, anyway so adenosine, say anything. adenosine rises over the day and it creates like a sleep pressure so as the day goes on adenosine rises throughout the day mm. so as you get towards the end of the day mm-hmm. that sleep pressure I'll think of like a pressure cooker mm-hmm. is now boiling over and you want to go to sleep okay now caffeine what that does is you, adenosine rises have a coffee it suppresses mm. have a coffee it suppresses so that sleep pressure starts to mitigate across the day so it's not waking you up it's, it's not waking suppressing, you up, suppressing the, the, the hormone time. that makes you want to fall asleep yeah. so ah. people think taking melatonin is something that gets, helps you sleep it doesn't help you sleep it helps like, think of a 100 meter race and melatonin being the gun that fires the race. It mm. gets you into the process of that. So looking mm. at like a blue light before bed, or like a phone, for example, I think they're sort of starting to debunk. Is there mitigating studies on that? Yeah. Yeah. So like the initial studies were like, if you're looking at a light, blue light, particularly before bed, it suppresses melatonin for like two or three hours post looking at it. Mm. So you get this suppression of that, which then offsets like, now you want to fall asleep at one, two in the morning. Mm. Um, but now I think, I think Matthew Walker might've come back and said that it's not so much the blue light, it's more so the content you're listening to. Like, are you engaging in the content? Yeah. Mm. Um, is it something like, if I can't sleep sometimes, I'll put on like a, a, a TV show on my phone and I'm out within... 
like yes. two minutes because I'm trying to focus and stay I do awake. the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, paradoxical intention is what it is. Like trying to do the opposite of what you want to do can yeah. actually then create this mm. sort of weird sort of paradox where you actually do what you didn't want to do or you want to do in the first place, yeah, mm. right. but you couldn't do. Um, I'm going to use that when I'm dating. <laughs> <laughs> so look, caffeine is one of the biggest ones. and people, You get it in a lot of things, like obviously tea and those sorts of things. But if someone struggles with sleep, the first thing I say is try and cut caffeine down significantly. And yeah. if you listen to the Carnivore podcast, obviously cut it out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a that's something people are very emotionally attached to. Like oh, I love my coffee. It's a favorite part of my day. Yeah. Like, I can sit there and be like just happy, like reading a book, yeah. drinking my coffee, and I'm, and I'm happy. So I'm not going to – I've cut it out before. Yeah. And I will admit I have slept a million times better. Yeah. After like that initial two or three weeks where that addiction sort of subsides. Yeah. Mm. However, like then you four a month goes past, I am sleeping better. Then mm-hmm. I go out socially for a coffee with someone, I was just like what we do. You can have de- like now you've got decaf, you can do all sorts of things yeah, now. Yeah. But um and then obviously to your you've obviously ADHD, so your brain is wired very differently just yeah. to on a on the spectrum yeah. to other people. Yeah. So coffee doesn't even really affect my sleep. I've, I've I can have a coffee in the afternoon and, and sleep, but um it's more the ritual. Like I can I quit coffee, yeah, cold yeah. turkey, no problem. Ritual. I, don't get, I don't get withdrawals or anything. Which is good. It's more the ritual. I like to go there and I feel bad that I'm going to a cafe and not buying a product. And I don't, <laughs> don't want to buy like all the cakes and shit. All or the sugary stuff. It's yeah. a, there's nothing really healthy. Yeah, it's at very hard. Cafes. And like, uh, yeah. I'm just like, I'll buy a coffee. I would argue though, like your thought process on it affecting your sleep, like, so Matthew Walker, they did they talk about study in the book about sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. and they did a simple memory. Um, so like a light pops up in a computer screen, and you've got to click when you see it as a response to it, right? So then they have four groups: a group that sleeps eight hours a night, mm. a group that sleeps four hours a night, one that sleeps six, um, and one that does a three day sort of they stay awake for three days. Mm. Fuck yeah, that's my group, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's astonishing, like what just lack of sleep can do to like. Yeah your attention span, memory, those sorts of things. But he talks about like, so it's a 12-day study. Yeah. And they do this test when they're fully rested. So they do a full night, eight hours sleep for the first night. They do this test. It's a 10-minute test. Yeah. They do it every single day for the for the 12 days they're in the study. Yeah. And then all other things are controlled. And all they're looking at is reaction time to you seeing a light on the screen and you clicking a button. Yeah. So obviously, full eight hours sleep, everyone gets a good score. Um, the person who's doing obviously the three-day deprivation of sleep, so after the first night, they've decreased their reaction time and they call them little micro-sleeps where they actually miss the beep completely. Wow. By 400% after one night of no sleep. Fuck. Right? And then they go into... So the, this more staggering thing was that the people who were sleeping four and six hours... So if you're somebody who sleeps six hours a night, mm-hmm. by day 10, you are the equivalent of having an all-nighter. Wow. So that's, that's where I... do I'm, that from time to time, the six doesn't hours. Doesn't that depend on your circadian rhythm? Like if you're... And yeah. if you feel rested after six hours and someone else feels rested after eight hours, isn't that, yeah. is and there this any is equivalency? Thing, yeah, so this is another thing he talked about. So there's like, we have like this sleep, I don't want to say genetic sort of inbuilt predisposition, but there he talks about people having, um, you know, 30, like 30% of us are night hours. We, yeah. generally, we generally just don't want to sleep yeah. before like 11 or 12. Like we just sort of yeah, that's like wired that way. Yeah. Some people yeah. are morning people. So if you're a morning person, you're generally in bed like, like me. I'm usually in bed by 8.39, 9.30 latest. Yeah. And then I'm up early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's sort of a hybrid between the two. Yeah. Now, obviously, in our society, the people who are night hours have got jobs to work. So they're normally not falling asleep till 11, 30, 12, 1, but then they've got to wake up at work at 5.36. Yeah. So these people are like on chronic sleep deprivation. Yeah. So they don't function well. Their memory's poor, things like that, right? Um, 
So there's probably some sort of like for you, you probably are a night owl. So maybe you sleeping until eight o'clock in the day is probably better if you can actually get to sleep. Yeah. Um, but then my psychologist, who I'm seeing for ADHD as well, has I'm I don't read anything not to get. I read everything to get smart. I don't read yeah. fiction mm. to escape. Oh, that's yeah. my running. That's so I'm yeah. reading a lot of self help books mm-hmm. in bed. Yeah. It's like cut that out straight away. Wow. Stop oh, listening to podcasts. Wow. Stop doing self help books at night because you you're the sort of person who's wired to engage that and then you yeah. try and fall asleep and you're like trying to think and you especially will be yeah. thinking like what do I need to do tomorrow what can I change how yeah. do I get better that's where I'm my most creative is my my creativity and my flow comes yeah is that the night. alpha and beta state like do they waver closer to a certain point of your uh well, do you mean waking state or sleeping state no like isn't it alpha and beta states well there's five, I don't know there's five stages of sleep and there's mm-hmm. obviously one, one through five, and then you've got your non-rapid eye movement sleep and your mm. rapid eye movement sleep. Mm-hmm. And your non-rapid eye movement sleep is like your light sleep, uh, whereas your REM sleep is your dream state. Mm-hmm. So like when you drink, for example, you yeah. don't get REM sleep. You don't get that deep sleep where you're dreaming. Yeah. Um, and that's when your recovery is poor. So I was talking to you boys before the potty about yeah. like I wear a whoop to track on my sleep. Um, and when I know I'm not drinking or anything, things like that, I'm eating well and I'm training, my sleep scores are much better. I'm, I survive quite well on six and a half. If mm-hmm. I get seven hours sleep in a night, I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. Never get eight hours. I just can't. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, but I function better on seven, seven and a half. Is yeah. that like, or you're not through time deprivation, like you're time poor Do or I, just like... I wouldn't say, t- I mean, time poor to some degree. Like most nights I'm getting home from work at eight. Mm. Um, so then you're up early, but so you've got time there. Mm. Um, however, like I just, when I've had like, you know, I've, fair few big weeks like most people mm. you might get the occasion like where your body just shuts down and like you do get like a good solid eight hours yeah. that's very rare mm-hmm. um <coughs> so, so whoop is that thing on your wrist yeah yeah so that's whoop. tracking yeah, yeah whoop. um and it just come out to be one of the most accurate i think the most accurate in research in regards to tracking heart rate and heart rate variability mm. um and how does heart rate how does that measure sleep through heart rate what's so heart rate, rate variability um it's taking in all facets like your respiration rate at yeah. night mm. um so when i drink so i'll show you maybe put up at the podcast at the end, but mm-hmm. uh, on a good night's sleep, my recovery is sort of 75, 80% and above. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do it gets to 90. Uh, but on a poor night, my recovery is 9%. Like on a big night, I don't get past 10%. So these big red 10%, like anything under sort of 25, 30% is red. Mm. Uh, the heart rate variability goes up. So heart rate, vari- sorry, goes down, sorry. So heart rate variability is your ability to perform and your willingness to go out and prepare and to do things well. So the more variability, the the better you are ready to perform. Right. So the more stable and more consistent your heart rate is, generally that's poor heart rate variability, which means you're stressed, um, cortisol levels are high, automatic. So that against um, like popular theory where if you want a low resting heart rate, that's a good thing? No, low resting heart rate is a good, it's a sign of general cardiac fitness if yeah. you don't have some sort of um, brachycardia, which is a, obviously yeah. a condition where you have low heart rate naturally. So there's that, there's that as well. But yeah, the sleep element is... Um, so critical and yeah. trying to get people to understand like the food you eat before bed and we've all heard like i think food you eat before bed sugar and yeah is there a, is there alcohol. a time like an optimal time where you should eat and finish and not have anything before you go to bed the general consensus from everything i've read over the years um has been sort of three hours wow two and a half what three about hours when you're starving bed. like shouldn't you eat when you're hungry because there's no like, like last night i was like fucking so, well, depends. so hungry, are you man. starving though uh, no, or my stomach you're not, was you're telling not, me. You're not <laughs> You've got plenty of fat tissue, mate, to, to yeah. get through a nice yeah. sleep. So, uh, and I've, I've obviously done fasting for three days on multiple occasions. Yeah. And if once you get into a th- the third night of fasting, that is when sleep becomes harder. Yeah. Um, usually the first two nights are okay, but the third night is definitely harder from that perspective of hunger. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I think for you, someone like trying to reduce all those things, like obviously ex- regular exercise, all the all the cliche stuff, yeah. regular exercise, reduce caffeine, reduce refined refined foods are obviously terrible. Yeah, um, so that's one thing I've been good at since Ch- Dr. Chafee was cutting out processed food yeah. and all that stuff. So that's been good. But my reckon my recovery in the last three days is at like four percent. If yeah. I had to measure it, because Sunday I got home like three thirty in the morning. I was up early, then Tuesday I had couldn't sleep till really late. I got home at like one a.m. and was up at seven, yeah, not rested. And then last night I've had three hours sleep. So people will hear my drowsiness in my voice. Yeah, and like but you're looking at like four days, five days to turn yeah. that around in terms of like actually feeling normal again. Yeah. That's now, you said before like I was actually chatting with Tara, one of our Patreons um, the other day, and she said that there was some sort of study for natural night hours links back to back in the day when we were hunter-gatherers, whatever our roles were. Um, yep. Is there? Have you learned anything about that? Like, because I'm super active from that eight till twelve. Maybe my genetics back in the past was. Yeah, I was look, I'm not. A, I'm not an expert on it. I know that in uh, Dr. Matthew's book, Why We Sleep. Yeah. If you want to know about sleep or you struggle with it, definitely read this book. But he does talk about like the ancestral side of things and the yeah. circadian rhythm and how we sort of evolved. Um, but I can't go into full detail and to like answer that question in particular and go, yeah, this is particularly why. Yeah. But evolutionary reasons why. But so in the book, he talks about we actually. We have like a genetic predisposition in our circadian rhythm to actually want to sleep at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. No, that's me, big yeah. time. Yeah, so all the time. Yeah. It's on the walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You work, you work in, like in Portugal or something like yeah. that. Like I've been to Portugal. Like those people, they don't start till eleven and they're having an ancestor at like three. Like guys, I want yeah. to go to your cafe. Like, can you open up? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've even found that in Perth, which is hell annoying. If I want to go somewhere and work at four o'clock. Every cafe shuts. Yeah. There's nowhere. So if you're a cafe owner, yeah. I can open up. There's a target market there. <laughs> Honestly. So yeah, he, he talks about that in the book. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting. Like sometimes it can be like we get that sort of lull in the afternoon and mo- look, majority of the people, it's because of the food they're eating. Yeah. Okay, obviously the high sugar. Oh, uh, crash. Cra- you get that sort of like blood sugar response. Uh, but he goes, he did say we are somewhat wired to be having a sort of siesta in the afternoon. That's what we sort of well, have always it, done evolutionary yeah. wise. It so. would make sense because if you're up when the sun's up, which is early, everyone, yeah, then you're up, you've been up for X amount of hours and you know that potentially you're going to have to store energy for nighttime if predators are coming or whatever. So you yeah. would n- want a natural lull in the afternoon. And if, if that's when animals are sleeping as well mm. and what's a uh, what's the optimal time again for a, if a nap because I, I know it is beneficial to have those little naps but not past a certain time yeah, period past yeah, 20 yeah, minutes so or something hey pardon was it past 20 minutes it's detrimental no no so there, there seems to be an optimal range of like that 20 to 25 and a 90 minutes so in between wow. like the 60 minutes seems to be offsetting like it yeah. doesn't seem to get like you wake up a bit groggy I depends because you're probably going to fall into like a REM sleep where yeah. you get into that deep state and then you and start coming back out of it yeah and people who don't sleep well are just naturally fatter like if you don't sleep well you don't get the recoverability of like your hormones so your hormones obviously play a massive role so one thing i liked about um dr anthony chafer on he was talking about obviously like the calories in calories out. i'm a big i'm on the fence now like i've been doing this for 15 years and mm. i used to be like yep calories in calories that's the answer and then i've gone the other way and gone nah it's not about calories at all it's all about hormones yeah so i think you've got to probably take them both into consideration but mm. I, think I think it's good that you're able to change your opinion as well because you're a pretty strong heads Headstrong dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think well, I've said some terrible things to people in the past, especially early days, like in the first probably five. If you're if you're out there looking and you got a trainer, if they haven't had more than ten years experience and you want to get really good results, probably go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, mm. I mean, it takes a long time to acquire a lot of knowledge and experience. Um, but what I did like about that was he's talked about sort of hormonal balance as well being yeah. important and calories in, calories out. It's not necessarily everything yeah. mm. because you can eat you know, calories of whatever you like, really, yeah. um, and still gain weight. 
So yeah. it's it's massive a part of of nutrition and every everything we consume um, has a like a metabolic hormonal response in our body. What mm. hormones? Are you, do you know much about that side of thing? Like, what are the hormones that? Yeah, well, going back to the going back to the sleep point. So, cortisol um, is obviously a stress hormone, which mm-hmm. is obviously reducing the adrenal glands and things like that. So, that's your fight or flight response. Um, and they seem so. Going back to the point with if you don't sleep well, they reckon in the last sort of three to four hours of sleep, if you're getting eight hours, that's where that hormonal repair sort of generally happens. We get your upregulation of um, growth hormone, um, cortisol sends to suppress. Well, it was a bit higher in the morning from memory, um, and then testosterone a little bit later. I could be they could be flipped from memory, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, cortisol is, is obviously one of the massive ones. Mm. Um, so if you're not getting that adequate amount of sleep, like let's say six, less than six hours a night, you're sort of robbing yourself of you know being leaner and getting rid of fat mass easier than someone who's sleeping say seven to eight hours a night. Are you across? Much of what uh, Huberman's been saying with the sunlight in the morning to help set your circadian rhythm. Yeah, so and that's something that Matthew Walk talks about as well. Um, so that sort of initiates that sort of onset of waking the circadian rhythm, and the same at night. So when you're like, if you're sitting at home and you want to, and you struggle to sleep, mm-hmm. be in a room as dark as physically possible. Mm. So because the light actually sort of keeps that sort of melatonin sort of higher. Yep. So having like screens and like bright lamps in your room. Um, like you hear about LeBron James when he travels, he um, does this thing where he basically calls hotels ahead of time and he goes, he wants every light out of the room just so he knows he can get complete darkness. Wow. The room set, so like for sleep, like top five things are make sure the room's temperature controlled, so 20 to 21 degrees seems optimal, dark as possible, um, sort of all electronic devices obviously away from yourself. Um, and I think the most important thing was is trying to get a routine. So if you don't have a routine... Um, he always comes back to that sort of point of like, look, if you don't have a, a, a good sleep hygiene routine where you, you're going to bed early, you're reading a book, like reading a book puts me to sleep. So yeah. I find it very hard to sort of read more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people are like that. Yep. Some, some, yeah, yeah, something cathartic about it, like sort of your eyes sort of moving across the page. But, um, but some people can like have a TV on in the background mm-hmm. and that puts them to sleep. Yeah. So there's obviously a slightly individual here, but there's some of the key things that he sort of talks about in there anyway. Well, that's what my routine would be. It'd be like I, I sometimes get stuck. Me and Delby fucking go on a message tangent back mm. and forth, like coming up with ideas for pods yeah. or whatever. The, but uh, it'll always be when I'm done, put the uh, TV on sleep 30 minutes and I turn on a TV show I've seen fucking 100 times. Yeah. And I put that on in the background, turns off. Now, I know that's probably not the most ideal way to fall asleep, but I find it incredibly easy to fall asleep like that. So, yeah. And masturbation helps. <laughs> <laughs> but that's both, both sexes. So I don't know, uh, is, is that a poor thing to do? Because I know there would be a lot of people, and uh, actually I do know there's a lot of people who do the exact same thing, listen to TV. Yeah, I, look, I think it really, it's a cliche answer, but if it works for you and you, you are waking up, well rested mm. and the, the, the screen isn't like in your face I think like a lot of the research I've done is with iPads and reading a book so you're reading a hard physical book yeah. versus reading an iPad and they found that if you're reading an iPad that melatonin response is suppressed for mm. like two or three hours after using that iPad now whether or not it's a blue light or the content you're reading is up for debate but then they know that if you're reading a physical book which is sort of what I like to I don't use iPads to read but I use a physical book uh, that is far better but then once again if you've got an iPad on so here's like, so some of you conflicting things with everything you mm. do, right? But if you have an iPad on, there's probably no other lights on in the room. It's probably mm. just completely mm. black. But if you've got a, reading a book, you need a light on. Yeah. So whether that is a difference or not, I don't know. But yeah. um, And you want to increase melatonin. Yeah, you right? want to increase yeah. melatonin. And obviously um, that's, that's like the gun that sort of starts a race. Yeah, it gets yeah. you to sort of prepare for sleep. It doesn't help you sleep. It helps you sort of fall asleep. And then yeah. from there it's... Um, yeah. Without being um, like taking the piss, masturbation for dudes or 
ejaculating for men doesn't that Sex, re- yeah. that doesn't relate doesn't that release a hormone that wants you to sleep um do you know anything uh, about uh, that no i can't answer that like i know that obviously testosterone is, is important for health and those yeah. sorts of things but i can't answer that question because i think i mean it's a hell good excuse for us to be, <laughs> to be like look i can't go again i'm it's my hormones right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sleep, I think but everyone I think I say they definitely feel tired i think everyone's yeah. like you generally feel like a sensing of calm and you're yeah. definitely more relaxed afterwards yeah. yeah um now um with that four days of like trying to get your sleep back to normal after like drinking or whatever I heard uh, a study that said that you can catch up on sleep, which is indirect conflict, conf- conflicting, um, indirect conflict. Conflict. We're experiencing. So Dale was experiencing brain <laughs> yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah, and yeah. His, yeah. his reaction times are very poor yeah. based on these last few nights. Yeah. Lucky my job's not clicking lights on the screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's for 10 minutes straight. I'm, I'm glad I'm like switching. I'm yeah. glad I'm switching today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the old... Um, theory apparently is you can't catch up on sleep but i've heard new theories um that you can actually catch up on sleep that you missed what do you know anything about that yeah i mean the biggest thing is obviously what i've read is in traveling athletes mm. so when you're traveling through like different time states and um yeah time zones so like if you so if you fly, if you go fly back from like over east in melbourne to perth and you lose three hours mm. for every hour you lose it takes a day to a day to reset and get back on track Wow. Crazy, eh? So, like, yeah. three hours from Melbourne, when obviously the time zone is three, as daylight savings. Yeah, you're looking at three days to sort of get yourself back on track in terms of regular sleep, getting getting good quality, right? Um, so, yeah, going back to your point about... Um, what was your question, sorry? Catching up on sleep. Yeah, so they, they have done that in a lot of high-level players where they obviously induce naps as much as possible to try and like sleep. They talk about like banking sleep. Yeah, the, the banking sleep is what I heard. Like yeah, you like, can't bank sleep, but you can catch up. You can, def- thought, you can definitely you can definitely speed the process up. Like if you're like, um, if, if napping too late is bad, like so talk down to your point earlier, like if you were have a nap at say four o'clock mm-hmm. in the afternoon, you're going to ruin that night's sleep without a doubt. Yeah, okay. If you have that nap early enough in the day, like one, you know, if you have that luxury of doing that, most people don't have the luxury of doing yeah. that. Um, West Coast have been doing that for the whole year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> last couple of years probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's definitely some research to suggest that you can definitely bank credits to sleep and catch up and recover quicker. Like if you're not thinking about it, right? So if you're if you're getting six hours a night or less than for say four or five days, and all of a sudden then start to chuck in some naps when you get chance to for a couple of days in, in sequence, so then you go like I'd say an hour and a half in the middle of the day, and you're six and a half or six at night, you're mm. getting seven and a half eight yeah. hours across that period of time. So it would make sense that the recovery should be there in terms of like hard facts, science, and articles I can refer to right now. Um, but off the top of my head, side point, a lot mm. of podcasts, Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast, mm. they just have people now with a TV screen pulling up articles for pretty much the whole podcast now. So you can yeah. just pull up, you can just do all your research prior, yeah. pull up an article and go, yep, this is my point. This yeah. is an article that proves it. Yeah. I found that quite interesting, really. Like there's yeah. someone just sort of pulling up articles that they can produce. Obviously, that's because they have this thing called money. Yeah. <laughs> they have it. <a laughs> where they yeah. pay a producer. <laughs> so anyone who's listening <laughs> to this podcast, can we get some sponsorships? To yeah. Try yes. and, uh, get these yeah. boys a live sponsors. screen so we can oh, just fire up articles. I did heard, uh, I heard um, Athletic Institute was uh, oh, yeah. pretty keen. Eh? <laughs> yeah, we can talk later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but on the recovery side of things, so um, well, oh sorry, no, well, no, no, go go. Yeah, because with recovery, uh, obviously sleep is probably the, the most number, the number one. Then the number one. I'm going to put it as number one. So from what I've from all my research and everything that I've done myself, like if you get a poor night's sleep, 
Like, you know, like the next day, you're more likely to eat poor food. You're moody, go, you're much more moodier. Um, to- tolerance just goes down significantly. And then you pile that, like, mm. look at a new parent, right? New parents struggle big time, like, with mental health because um, they're just sleep deprived constantly. Yeah. Like, I'm not a parent myself yet, but I can imagine when I get to that point, like, I can see it's very easy to sit on the outside and judge. But yeah. when you don't get good sleep, it's things are very hard. Soreness goes up. Like I've got arthritis in my ankle. So I know that when I drink alcohol, I, I limp the next day. If I don't get good sleep, I'm limping the next day. I get limp on alcohol as well. So I guess the, the general idea or the general rule would be to have a pretty reasonable routine, avoid as much caffeine as late as possible, and um, yeah. and then as little light as yeah. possible. Luckily, That's a pretty broad. West Coast started their recovery in the second quarter <laughs> against North Melbourne. They fucking Nick, Nick Napanui'd. Um, but that is interesting that you say that, man. One hour costs us a day. That means that Fremantle and West Coast yes. are travelling every week. Well, yeah, or most, every nearly every, 10 every days or 11 week. days. Yep. So, so we're always playing catch-up. So our premiership should be worth <laughs> two. two. Yeah. Yeah, and this, it's, it's funny because I actually sat next to a captain on the plane going back from Melbourne just recently. And because I was always wondered, like, what is the altitude in an actual airplane in mm. the cabin? So mm. we have an altitude room at AI and we get that up to sort of three and a half thousand metres of altitude. Mm-hmm. So obviously when you're flying a plane, you're at like, what, 35,000, yep. 40,000 feet, yep. um, which is very high altitude. Um, but they control the oxygen, right? Yeah, they control the cabin pressure and they control... Yep. But you're sitting around 2,000 metres of altitude in an aeroplane. Mm. So to give that perspective, so if I'm riding a bike at sea level, like I am in Perth right now, I'm on a watt bike and I'm pushing, say, 100 watts, mm-hmm. my heart rate might be, say, 110 beats. Yeah. At 2,000 metres altitude, my heart rate's probably going to be 130. Yeah. Right, so I'm having to work harder. Just is, that, s- is that because of oxygen deprivation? No, no, it's because of the it's a concentration the of oxygen in the air. Yeah, so the pressure at which the oxygen is getting pushed into us yeah. is now somewhat reduced. Yeah. Um, so we're not getting enough in. So that's why if you ever – I know my metrics very well. So yeah. if I fly, I can look at my heart rate and go, normally at rest it's 50 when I'm sitting up, yeah. 45 in bed laying when I'm sleeping. But if I'm sitting up in a plane, it's like 65 – so, yeah, so the maths or the logic harder. behind that is because air goes from high pressure to low pressure. Correct. If you're higher in the air, the air pressure is lower. Lower, which means, which means that it, you have to work harder to suck it in to get it in. Correct. And which yeah. is why also when you climb Everest, like as you move up the mountain, the, the, the partial pressure of oxygen in the air gets yeah. a lot less, which means it can't push it in, yeah. which means you now have to work a lot harder, which is why your heart rate goes up. Yeah. So we have a normal barrack chamber at AI, which is different where we're just pushing more nitrogen into the room yeah. to lower the percentage of oxygen so that you have to work harder. Yeah. So it's, it's, like, uh, it's almost like cheating with the training, so doing extra work in a... Correct. So yeah. if someone's like really unfit, you can get them to cycle at a very easy power. Yeah. They've got to work like 15, 20 beats, even sometimes 30 beats harder for a very easy given exercise output yeah. because mm. the input's the heart rate, right? So, so is that you, why they used to go and train at high altitude for like uh, AFL teams would go yeah, over they do to Colorado? Yeah, a, a, a lot of clubs now have like, their own altitude chambers. Yeah. Uh, and but they lose that almost stress. like within two weeks of coming back, hey? Yeah, so you've only got optimal time of doing it. So you can only... Yeah. So they reckon you either fly... Do altitude and then fly back and do the competition within a couple of days. Yeah. Or you do it within two weeks, like, like at the back end of two weeks, ideally. So you've actually got the time to adapt yeah. to the stress. Mm. Swanee was talking about that on his pod. He's like, Dad flies over, we'll go to the Grand Canyon, bust our asses, and then you just lose it when I came back. So he goes, I just didn't didn't bother because I knew I was going to lose it. <laughs> yeah, it never made sense to me while I did that. So, like, you, if you want to do it, you want to do it around with like a grand final or a yeah. important final. I don't see, you know, round one, yeah, it's great to win a couple of games around one. But, um, yeah, I just always found that weird. So, but back to 
your point with teams flying. Yeah, yeah. Like West Coast are at a disadvantage and Freo are at a disadvantage in that regard because they do dehydration occurs on a plane. You yeah. know, obviously, if you're not sort of looking out for so, um, sodium and magnesium, all those sorts of things for hydration purposes. Um, but yeah, being in altitude is more stressful. And then obviously, if you're flying back from Melbourne, you're losing time that time. And then that, that sleep time, which Matthew Walker talks about in his book, is it, it's going to take you a couple of days to recover from that particular yeah. flight. So, uh, oh, well, so you're going to go, go on. So uh, what I was going to go on from there because we're talking recovery and this is obviously another important factor in, in recovery and this is less just general life health this is probably better for well actually maybe not um for maybe not just for elite athletes and athletics and stuff like that but um sauna ice bath uh yeah. we sort of touched on it um with a couple of recent guests but i thought we'd wait um to have you on because you could probably discuss it in more depth but like what are the benefits uh, firstly for like recovery after a game of footy um, the differences between an ice bath and a sauna because uh, they're pretty similar, are they? No, like I, I've always sort of said to people that if you want to recover better after a game, like it depends on when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's it's, everything here is context. Mm-hmm. So immediately after a game, some people do like to have an ice bath, mm-hmm. um, and that's I could see the point in that. Um, in terms of like the following day, like for me, I prefer a sauna. So okay. especially like an infrared, um, where. You're sitting in a room, we're sitting in a, obviously a sauna where the temperature can be sort of 60 to 70 degrees Celsius. Mm. Um, and obviously, if you're in there for long enough, you know, your heart rate climbs. So you would go from sort of sitting at 60 and mine will get to sort of 120, mm. 130 sitting in a sauna. So you get this sort of elevated heart rate, okay? So you get this oxygenation of blood moving around the system without even moving, which is great. Yep. So, but in terms of recovery, like movement is movement's number one. You just need to move the next day. So okay. some, like facilitate recovery, low heart rate, um, so whether it be like a, a beach walk and an easy ride, an easy swim, um, saunas are great because still elevates a heart rate. You're not necessarily moving, um, but definitely sauna is. I mean, there's so much research, well, more research now coming out about saunas. Mm-hmm. You know, reduce blood pressure, reduce anxiety, reduce stress, longevity, all, all these sorts of things are starting to be seen with sauna. You got to do it frequently. Like a lot of the research is saying three to four times a week. Yep. So I've. I've I've brought mine down to about three twenty to thirty minute sessions a week, yep. which is somewhere yep. between sixty to ninety minutes. Which yep. is really good. I'm going off Herbman <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it's, no, it seems really to be pretty good. No, it's definitely that's that's where a lot of the research is saying. Um, like in in places like Finland, like it's just a, a known thing that the majority of the population, I think it's something like over ninety percent of the population, have at least one sauna a week. Mm. But then there's like a vast vast majority, sorry, of people who are doing sort of three to four, five saunas a week. And they're just finding like lots of low, like blood pressure is massive, so that's coming down. Yeah, so moving away from just recovery, just for general health, general because health. longevity studies are showing that the people like that are, are living longer. And is, so, what are the just just for sauna? We'll stick with sauna for now. Like, what are the health benefits? Yeah, so you would have heard of probably heat shock proteins. Yeah, we touched on it a few weeks ago, but again, if you could go deeper into it, yeah, I'll try. So basically, heat shock proteins are really good at facilitating recovery in the sense that they sort of attach themselves to protein molecules. Mm-hmm. And so when you go through like muscle repair, um, you can get like this degradation of proteins um, in some degree, Like, but they seem that heat shock proteins are really good at facilitating better, um, trying to think of the word, like generation of protein synthesis and things like okay. that. In regard, that's probably butchering it a little bit mm. um but that's definitely the, a big part of it and but just the getting the body adapted to the stress of the heat is huge mm. so like like anything in life if you're adapting yourself to stresses things other things become a lot easier right so um if you protect something it generally gets weaker which is necessarily not always a good thing yeah um so which is why we want to pick up weights 
Oh, so it's it's a bit almost like a if you don't use it, you lose it style thing. Like yeah, you're sort of constantly building up almost an immunity. You're building up strength. a resilience. You're building yeah. up a resilience to, to certain things. And obviously if someone's capable of dealing with um, you know, more harsher environments mm. in their day to day life, things become a lot easier. They become a lot healthier. They might there's a lot of not um so going back to like the sauna stuff, there's a lot of uh, benefits showing that like the mental clarity um, especially anxiety and stress. A lot of people obviously are quite anxious these days. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a really positive response from having the, the infrared saunas. Now, infrareds, they've got sort of, you've got near wave, because it's all like electromagnetic sort of waves. You've got short waves, medium waves, and long waves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you most of your infrareds are going to be the long wave infrared saunas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, compared to a traditional sauna, so like an infrared sauna generally sort of heats the body up from the, that you would have heard from like from the inside. Like mm-hmm. it's a more... Um, overall, um, uh, you're getting like a lot more, the heat's dispersed uh, more evenly across the sauna. Okay. Whereas in a traditional sauna, they can be very hot, like 83 degrees plus. Mm. But the saunas are very generally very hot at the top. If you go down, they're actually quite not, they're actually not quite hot. So if you want to like relieve yourself in a sauna, actually no, I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to relieve the heat stress in the sauna, like obviously you come down lower in a traditional sauna. Mm-hmm. So you can sit down lower. Obviously it's not as hot as hot air rises. Um, but in an infrared, like it seems to be a much more even spread and it seems, it seems to um, heat the tissue up deeper than mm-hmm. a traditional. And traditional saunas can be um, quite stuffy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas infrared, you don't get that sort of humidity, which is great as well. If you want to heat yourself up from the inside out in America, just go to East Palestine and Ohio. <laughs> Oh fuck yeah! I'll do it for you naturally. (laughs) Oh my lord, that is a terrible situation. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so um, I guess when it comes to uh, the the infrared versus the standard, um, when you say it's almost it's like cooking you almost from the inside. It's like a microwave. But is that better for again for blood flow for the the stress relief for the anxiety helping or like is there toxin and is it unnatural because infrared doesn't occur. Sweat yeah, lag. that's yeah, because like toxins and stuff out of your body through the sweat, is that a thing as well, or are they completely unrelated? Yeah, so a lot of times you hear people say, I'm going to have a sauna because they want to sweat out the yeah, they, they, yeah. they usually had a bender and like, <laughs> I'm going to sit in a sauna, and which if you're doing that, it's probably more detrimental than anything because one, you're already dehydrated, you've, <laughs> you've been drinking alcohol all night, terrible food choices, poor sleep, then you go, jumping in a sauna, especially a traditional one, is very stressful. Like mm. it's you, it's like so. Like my last, uh, I did Ironman cans and I did ten days. So research said, if you do sort of ten days in a sauna in a row at eighty three degrees for twenty minutes, you get really good uh, heat shock protein adaptation. You adapt to the heat stress a lot better. Um, so I did that prior to going to to cans, but I come out of that, I did it probably too close to the race. I come out of the saunas, uh, so ten days in a row I did it at um a local centre, and got sick. But basically on arrival uh, in, in Cairns. Now, that to associate causality is pretty hard there, but I definitely reckon that having a sauna, it's very, it's like I'm watching my heart rate climb. And if anyone's been in a sauna for 20 minutes at 83 degrees, like a long time. Yeah. That last five minutes, the first 10 goes by like no worries. Yeah. And then 10 to 15 gets pretty challenging. But then like 15 to 20, like you, you want to get out. Like mm. you're like, you're just trying to just sit there and go and hold. So it is very stressful. Now, is there a difference between me going two 10 minute blocks? Or twenty minutes, or two fifteen-minute blocks, or is it? I think it from what I read, it's just cumulative time. So, like, okay. you're probably not gonna, your heart rate's probably not going to climb as high, like, because you're not sitting in that room and the heart rate doesn't have to work as hard. Mm-hmm. So, your heart rate wouldn't get as high. So, you're probably not going to get that sort of benefit. And obviously, you can get some fat oxidation stuff sitting in a sauna. So, obviously, yeah. if your heart rate's nice and 
it would sort of put you in that sort of fat oxidation zone where you like your heart rate's one thirty. Such a lazy way to get skinny. Yeah, but <laughs> most people who are doing it obviously aren't eating right too. Yeah, but they go in there to to help. I think the most stressful thing about a sauna is all the naked old men you have to speak to. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I loves it. Networking. Yeah. Well, you did. You made a good point there because the benefits I've started to feel now are probably more in line with me changing. Everything else, mm, not yep. just the, doing the sauna, because I've been doing sauna for regularly for four or five years. I've yep. got mates that've been getting cooked for four or five years. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the so that I, I felt a bit better for it. But now I've also put in place, you know, eating better, drinking better water, yep. um, exercising more regularly, gym. Yep. I'm feeling it's just an addition. It's an extra level of of helping my body. Whereas before it was it was one thing, but it was, wasn't yeah. <laughs> wasn't in line with what I'm trying to do in the other aspects of my life. So yeah, it's probably let's be very clear. If you eat terribly, you don't exercise, you don't train, and you think a sauna is going to change the way you live your life or change your physical and mental state, it, it may do to a very small degree, but mm. that's not going to be the so mm. like having a coconut water after a large pizza. Like <laughs> probably, probably not gonna work, is know, it like sauna. that? Uh, I, I think we. Um, I've, I've talked about this. You know, you've got to earn your beers and you go and have a run before. You, I think you've spoken about this. doesn't work, eh? No, no, no. It definitely doesn't work. Um, alcohol is a poison. Let's be very clear. And it ruins everything. Jobs, lives, homes, yeah. body fat percentage, sleep. It just, there's, there's nothing good. Oh, I mean, if you've got a negative attitude. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how you want to look at it. And look, I think most... <laughs> Fucking pessimist. <laughs> I, um, I'm reading a book about climate change and there was some random stat in there about um, that in 2020, Australia was the worst for drinking. So we are the worst country for... So she's, I think she stated that... Or the best at drinking. Well, <laughs> depends how you want to look at it, right? So <laughs> Pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, Apparently, yeah, yeah. Australians throughout their calendar year will have at, at least 27 occasions on average yeah. where they're getting like obliterated. Every like, two weeks. Wow. Every, every couple of weeks, most people are going yeah. out and getting drunk. How many um, weeks in here? 54. 52. 52. So nearly, weeks. Yeah, yeah, basically, weeks, yeah, yeah, basically every two weeks. And how, ma- how, many, how many Australians did you say? What oh, percentage? It, was just, it was just across a, And how many immigrants? <laughs> <laughs> how many, what, what was the percentage? 25%. Wow. Yeah, so it's yeah. quite, it's quite so crazy. A, so a quarter of, a, of Australia was getting obliterated 50% uh, of the year. I love how they blame oh, drunk Australians on climate change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a random spin-off on, uh, on, on her take on global cl- on climate change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's all bullshit anyway. But yeah. Well, we that's, can. That's that's a do debate. you have a do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, so I'm we pretty. We can talk about it later. Well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's try and draw it back to the sort of carnival yeah, conversation. Yeah. So, oh, hang on one sec. Um, the sauna, the heat shock proteins. Yes. Now, this is a new fad word that I've found that's getting thrown around: cold shock proteins and the heat shock proteins. What the fuck are they? Oh, we sort of half talked about oh, that you when did? you were in the you toilet. Were the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but like, I'm not an expert on it, but essentially, like, they're they're proteins that sort of attach themselves. So they're molecules that attach themselves to proteins, yep. which can help uh, facilitate recovery. Okay. Um, you know, so like from and they maintain they help maintain homeostasis. So yep. you know, you know what homeostasis is. Yeah, mm-hmm. So body. in the process of maintaining homeostasis, that's yep. what they're. For the listeners that don't know homeostasis, to try and keep uh, your body wants to be in a nice state of balance and equilibrium at all times from mm-hmm. an alkaline pH perspective. Um, so the good thing about like ice baths is they can sort of make you more sort of alkaline rather than more acidic. acidic yeah, is that is that true? Because I always thought our body wasn't like acidic or basic it, it moves very like it's yeah. a very small 
line. I yep. think what's the six point seven pH seven, or seven point one? I think we're seven point five. And but our gut. Is, so that's the funny thing. It was like I, I felt not fell for this whole like alkaline water f- sort of craze idea. And I still think there's benefits to drinking that water because it's the other stuff that's going into it. But your your gut is at a one point five. Um, pH, acidic, which is acidic as fuck. Acid. It's like putting, yeah. yeah. And so important. everything you eat goes into that first anyway. So it's becoming yeah. acidic as fuck. And then through the process, it turns back into it. So just because you're putting in alkaline into your gut, it's probably drinking, not even it's a not good gonna, thing to do. It's not going to have an effect. You need acid to break your food down. So to make your stomach less acidic, mm. this means you're going to digest your food more poorly. Yeah, yeah the, whole, the whole idea of something is to literally break down food yeah. chemically mm. so then you can utilize the energy. Right? Yeah. That's the whole premise of it, right? <laughs> so, um, but I think they're more talking about like in response to like immune system response. Um, like they're showing that like obviously brown fat sort of sort of adapts better with cold immersion. Um, mm. So yeah, and obviously like you get a lot more white blood cells. So people who like ice bath frequently have an increase in white blood cells, which is protecting organism to some degree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Like the science of it is still, it's still relatively like new, like yeah. It, Everyone I'm amazed at how they find these things. Like, how do they fucking locate a heat shock protein? Like, yeah, well, that's it's, bi- it's yeah, biopsies. So they just fucking insane. get in there and they just well, cut you open. So me and you were talking about um, just while we're on ice baths, like cold showers and stuff, and how in Perth oh. we do not have cold showers. <laughs> if you're in Perth, you have any cold shower, you are not having a cold shower. So, well, it's still cold. It's cold no, compared, it is compared to the environment. Well, <laughs> compared to a hot shower, it's cold. Yeah. But when I went to I went to Melbourne for for Christmas and mate, that is ice coming out of the showers over there. So if you're in Victoria, nice. you're in ice. Save money on an ice bath. Yeah, you don't trust me. I you're psyching yourself up like yeah. you're doing your breath work prior. Mm. You're going in, going like this is this is cold, and you turn it on full cold, and it's it's ice coming out. And then I came back to Perth. I was I, I just have straight cold now. I just turn it on straight yeah. and cold, jump yeah, I, straight in. Don't I worry do about not it. struggle at don't all with a cold shower here. Oh, but that. in winter, that will be winter. Summer's easy. Yeah, so it's like have a cold shower in summer is the easiest thing in the world. Let's yeah. see how many heroes are there around winter. But it's good to start, like start getting used to, like yeah. rather baby steps. I've been every morning I do a cold shower. What is the well? Yeah, what is the science? Do you know much of the science behind that? Yeah, so not all of it. Obviously, it's not a, it's not an area. I'm, yeah. an ex, I'm an expert in strength conditioning. Yes, that's yeah. my I know. expertise. But you, you're doing but pretty well, mate. You're but doing I'm still, well. <laughs> still going to broaden my horizon and, and read other things. And obviously, ice baths. My first ice bath was when I was 15. Playing state footy, yeah. and back this is we, I didn't know anything about ice baths. I didn't know they existed. Yeah, and they just get a, they had a bathtub filled full of ice, and they said lay in it. I'm like, what? I want to lay in it. Then I laid it up to my neck. I'm like, why would anyone do this? Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. And now it's a now it's a phenomenon where people like Wim Hof have obviously made it famous. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably the most common person you think of. Um, His but yeah, brother lives in Perth as well. Really? Or from the uh, majority of the year. So yeah, right. should hook you up with him. There you go. That'd be awesome. That'd be, if we could do that, that'd be really good. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I think if you're someone who's taking yourself into an uncomfortable environment, you're probably someone who's doing a lot of things right on the outside as well, like trying to eat well and exercise. Um, but yeah, so the cold water immersion, they, they talk about... Um, so developing, like I said, the brown fat before, uh, which is a good... So if you look in the brain, there's you grey matter and white matter and all this stuff and they brown fat seems to be quite good. Um, and then obviously the immune response, they, they talk about um, certain, hel- certain hormones that are, like cortisol comes down, so stress hormones come down. Um, yeah, and then there's, it's still relatively, the science on it is very like, it's hard to find good evidence. Yeah. Right? And Wim Hof has done multiple things where he's been like under experiments where one of the experiments was through breath work, 
um, and cold word of training. He basically was. Um, have you guys read his book? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I didn't read his book, but keep going because I think I know what you're about to say. Well, there's there's multiple times where he's like he's been stuck in an ice. So one, he did 80 minutes um, at zero degrees, um, and after like five minutes, he should have been going into like starting hypothermia mm, yeah. and going into hypothermia. Well, he climbed. Uh, was it Everest? Yeah, he did, did a marathon barefoot um, in snow, which is ridiculous. But one of the main things was through breathwork and cold water immersion, he was in his book saying that he went into a, a clinical trial where they injected people with a virus. Mm. There was 1,500 people. What, they just signed up? Literally. For just, which virus? I can't remember the name of the virus off the top of my wow. head. Wow, yeah. Um, it was just like a common flu from memory. Yeah. Like, it was like it wasn't anything too obviously serious. Yes. But they basically injected all these pa- patients with this um, common flu mm. and then everyone... Of all the participants, they all got sick and all got symptoms. And he's going through his breath work while they're administering this. Um, so this is like where I can see why people think he's a charlatan and like yeah. it's, it's all made up. And But he's going through his breath work. He's lowering his heart rate. He's going to full Zen mode, gets the injection and doesn't get any sort of responses, doesn't get sick. They're like, what's going on? And he, he was wide up to the nines. They're taking yeah. his blood. Yeah, they couldn't understand it. They huh? couldn't understand it. Like they're like, medical doctors are going like, what, how have you done this? Like, and mm. so, so they his body to, and then he fought off the injection. Yeah, and he taught it to other people and the same. they were able to Correct. have the same experience. So to prove him wrong, he's like, well, it's not, I, this is not, I'm not an anomaly. Like, yeah. I'm not a genetic freak. So mm. he goes, oh, give me, give me a couple of weeks and I'll train seven people to do the exact same thing. Yeah. He said, no, we'll give you four days. So oh, four days it is, and then why would the, oh, why? Mate, I fucking know. lose it? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. if you're a scientist, <laughs> you would be fucking <laughs> Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's yeah, let's check yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. no, fucking four days. But if four <laughs> had ADHD, those scientists, all those four <laughs> people didn't get any symptoms or that's insane. So, but look, look this book go, sounds like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Ask me. <laughs> so, yeah, what is he doing? Is he breathing out the like? So, yeah, Andrew Huberman did a really good podcast, which I people should listen to about breath work. Mm. Um, and he sort of divulged like divulged is all of them. Um, from the breathwork side, he's trying to get carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide is what makes you breathe. So it obviously builds up in the system and that's what causes you to sort of breathe, not oxygen. Um, so through, like when you practice his breathwork, you're basically trying to offload a lot of the carbon dioxide, which means you can sort of start to hold your breath for longer. You don't need oxygen mm. for longer. In terms of like the, I can't remember like why the mechanism was in the book, like why he sort of said that he could fight it off. Yeah. I'll have to go back and refer to it. But um, yeah, it was it was just fascinating to read that someone through breathwork and ice cold plungers could do something like I don't that. know why but breathwork triggers me I think I spoke about this with Dr. Ryan Gleason that we had on oh you mean like a um, like just watching guys go through breathwork it's it's very triggering for me I feel like it's just so watching fucking, people doing it or yeah, just you doing it no nah, just watching people yeah, like okay. yep. get all emotional and shit yeah, oh you yeah. mean the yeah you mean those groups um, yeah. and then filming it and then yeah you were talking about yeah, like, I don't like, know how why it takes away you? emotional experiences where they're like crying yeah. and like, losing control yeah, yeah or, that's yeah, definitely I don't know why I think it might just be the type of person that um, you're skeptical. Puts it across. Yeah, and I think so. it's and like I'm I'm a skeptic, so yeah. I don't believe in a lot of things. Like I need to really sort of get into the weeds yeah. of things and see it work. And I think with anything in life, if people don't see an immediate benefit, they're probably not going to carry it on. Yeah. We want to see an immediate benefit. So you do breath work. You can like you can go from holding your breath from you know one minute to yeah. within within three minutes. So you can go from holding your breath from one minute to three minutes in the space of twenty minutes of breath work, mm-hmm. and all you're doing really? is like, yeah, it's it's, you can, it's oh, incredible, right? So, so but all you need to do, all you're doing is offloading as much carbon dioxide as you can in that breath work. Yeah. Um, but if someone holds their breath for three minutes and before that they could do it for one minute or a minute and a half, they're going fuck. I'm 
there's instant buy-in. Yeah. So you get there's instant results. I well, I Wim, don't. Oh, sorry. Go. Wim Hof's a bit more palatable as well because he looks like a rugged mountaineer. <laughs> yeah. He's not like he a hippie. You know, like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not yeah. like a hippie new age guy that I feel like is just trying to slide into the pants of the other girls doing a breath. <laughs> well, I, yeah. don't, I don't know whether it was um, placebo effect or not, but I started using the one that Huberman was talking about with the. What's, yeah, what's that that one again? final yeah, little yeah, bit so. of extra yeah. breath in and fuck, like any stressful moment or any sort of like, um, I'm just, I've got, I'm overwhelmed or whatever. Fuck, like what two or three call? of them and yeah. bang, I'm feeling good. I don't know if it's placebo or not, but. Yeah, I don't, what did you call that again? Is it, it's like um, some little double breath. Yeah, another double breath. Can't, you gave it a name. Um, I can't remember what it was. Parabolic. The Hooverman. Par- yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, the Hooverman. <laughs> but once again, like, I don't know like how how in-depth the weeds are and they are in the science with that. They, they, they seem to say like it helps. Like, if you're someone who is stressful and has anxiety, it can seem to help mitigate that yeah. very quickly. He seems to helps. only go off data as well. And which is like, good. Which is but once again, like, I, I, so coming on this podcast, I was like, well, 15 years of doing this, I've read... Every I've told I've told people to go high carb, low carb, keto, um, you know, all those types of foods, and I've told people to lift weights this way, that way, run this way, do this way. And what I've always found is that there's always every decision you make, there's a consequence. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're reducing something out of your diet, there's usually something you figure out later on that okay, I actually needed that, so I need to put that back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always evidence is hard to it's hard to find good evidence. Mm-hmm. If you go on a podcast and someone talks about research, the other person's going, yeah, but research is done poorly, so yeah. can we really listen to it? It's funded by this person, it's funded by that person. Yeah, um, the study wasn't long enough, yeah. so it's very, it's it's very overwhelming as someone who works in this industry to get yeah. really good evidence and go, look, this is what we think, which is what a lot of people talk about what they do in practice. Like, yeah, the results you get with someone physically, and, and you see someone transform their life in front of you by giving them information. I think a lot of people are sort of drawing upon that, yeah. like just to, to guide their practices and, and things like that. There's so many variables. It's almost impossible to just get one variable, one independent variable. And you should it's change. Almost impossible. If you are going to change it, you should change one thing at a time. Yeah. Like you, you should not change seven signs. Exactly. Yeah. You should change one thing at a time and see if it makes a difference. So Because yeah. that's, uh, that's I feel good now because I the thing I said the other day was, you know, I make small little incremental changes in a lot of different areas over a long time. So now I feel like I've given and good advice and not just yeah. force my opinion down someone's yeah. throat. Exactly. <laughs> and you should also get some objective data. Subjective data is important because how the person feels, we have to protect people's feelings and that's how they feel is important. But it's also objective data, right? So if I have a glass of red wine and I know that my heart rate variability and sleep recovery is slightly decreased. I know that. Mm-hmm. So if I have one, I can get away with it. I can feel a bit iffy the next day, but I'm usually okay. Mm-hmm. But if I have two or three, then it starts to really decline. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at numbers on my phone, right? Because I'm wearing, I'm, I've got like chronicle data of three years. So I'm not talking about like, I've worn this for a week and I see one bad night of recovery. I'm like three years of data. I know exactly how what my sleep is yeah. like and what affects my sleep yeah. um, and what affects my heart rate and what affects those. And sleep. when you said objective, like feelings, like people's feelings don't matter in the face of facts, facts but correct you mean physically i'm feeling better from this recovery yeah not um, emotionally i feel uh, <laughs> i feel unsafe here yeah by doing this breath work because yeah. feelings are subject it's they're subjective yeah. Yeah. They're like, and yeah. if you have objective data to back it up that's yeah. even better then you go well now i've got more of a case to go look this is actually really works yep. um which is why like all these diets like carnival like carnival is obviously the one that's it's very like it's it's prominent. It's it's um, so all what's the word I'm looking well for, for uh, inflammatory. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, inflammatory. yeah, it's in the zeitgeist. Inflammatory, as in comment, social commentary. Oh yeah, like yeah. You, and you look, you talk about like so. There are a lot of good things to carnival. There are a lot of good things to keto. There are a lot of good things to high carb. There are a lot of, there's every diet usually has a, a a really good positive thing out out of it, right? So what I've sort of landed on in in all my years is that yeah, 
reducing refined stuff is obvious. I think we know that eating real food is obvious. Um, now the whole carnivore vegan debate, like those two, they they get attention because they're polarizing. Like they're mm-hmm. polarizing views, and like that guy Anthony came on. He said he eats one meal a day. He eats one steak a day. I'm like, who is going to do that? Who's going to cut out everything in their life and have one steak a day? That is not people are going to be able to follow that. Yeah. Like, only the extremists, like extreme personalities. Now I'm someone who's very black or white. Mm-hmm. So I usually, 10 years ago, if I listened to a podcast about that, I would have been like, fuck this, I'm carnivore, everything else is wrong. Like that, 10 years ago, that was probably me. Yep. And that's, I'm someone who's coaching people, right? So yeah. for me, the last 10 years, especially my, especially my 30s, is trying to find the gray area and then use my subjective and critical analysis and go, well, what is, it, what is this diet? Why does this work? Well, it works because you're taking out, one, a lot of energy. Two, you're taking out all, all the refined stuff. Um, Fuck plants might be a bit far. (laughs) (laughs) But I get what he's talking about. I understand where he's coming from. Um, But like things like coffee and like, these are things that we've obviously evolved to to like and enjoy. And so when you start saying cut out coffee, we we know coffee, alcohol, all those things aren't good for us long-term. We know that. If you have them in excess, that's obviously bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, where we are right now with obviously whether you believe in climate change or not, there's, there's stuff going on there that people need to sort of acknowledge. Um, and obviously lands and grazing. And like one of the things with carnivore is like the things that they're eating are eating grass. I'm like, well, how does that work? And obviously there's like the room in the, and they have that digestive food and things like that. Mm. So that's obviously um, a big debate as well, but there's the, the whole meat premise. So a bit of context here for most people listening. So um, early twenties, I break an ankle. I can't, I can't play sport anymore. So then I just decided to go to, to university and study. So I studied, do my sports science. I travel to Canada, uh, do part of my degree there, come back, do sports science, um, do my master's in um, strength and conditioning. And at this point, I'm just trying to experiment with sport again. So I go through bodybuilding. So I get down to 4% body fat. And I do that by cutting out pretty much all carbohydrates mm. apart from around training. So I know that reducing, but I obviously I'm going from eating probably average food more refined foods, eating a lot like, I mean, fucking chicken and beef every day yeah. with small amounts of veggies. Um, and obviously I'm getting down to a very low body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. Get down to 4%. I do that for two years and then go, well, I'm going to go try powerlifting. So now I'm eating lots of carbohydrates. I'm getting fatter. I'm getting bigger. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting stiffer. I'm getting sore. I'm getting more inflamed. Mm. Um, I'm not feeling great, but I'm pushing heavy weight. And I do that for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go, so around the time of powerlifting, I just built... AI and now I'm at the point where I'm working long days eating poor food and I'm not sleeping my eyes are twitching my left eye was twitching every night and like I couldn't sleep oh if I did sleep it was broken it was like three hours a night yeah ends up with me going to hospital for a stress test fail the stress test miserably uh, at the age of 27 what do they do do they show you like pictures of <laughs> lots of stress tests I want a treadmill and I'm wired up to the nines yeah and they're making me run and the nurse stops me so it's supposed to be like a 20 I think memory like a 20 25 minute test mm-hmm. she taps me on the shoulder like eight minutes and goes man your blood pressure is way too high we're gonna stop this test right now i'm like what, what do you mean fine. like I'm a, and part of it is i'm also doing powerlifting so i'm used to lifting heavy weights yeah so blood pressure is gonna be very high when you're lifting weights it can be it's been recorded at sort of 300 over like 100 yeah. or 300 over 150 so it's very high when you do heavy powerlifting um anyway so then they give me full blood work and then i find out i've got hypercholesterolemia which is high cholesterol and then what's it called? Hypercholesteremia. Hypocholesterolemia. Okay, and it's genetically high cholesterol. Mm. So I see the cardiologist. Is that a bad thing or not? Well, this is this is to the point of my story. Yeah. So I see one of Perth's top cardiologists, and he goes, "You need to take statins. You ha- your cholesterol is seven point four. So I've got all my blood work for the last ten years. Cholesterol is seven point four. You need to go on statins. Mm. 
which um, is a, a, dr- a drug that lowers cholesterol yeah. right? and very effective to some degree. And I'm like, I don't want to take drugs at 27 because I don't want to be on drugs for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So then I go do my, I read the China study, I do all this independent research on nutrition and I just go vegan. So I just go vegan, I cut out all animal products for six months. I see him six months later, my cholesterol is now four. Mm. And he's like, what did you do? I'm like, mm. well, I've just cut out all animal products and just gone vegan. He's like, well, what are you doing? Keep doing it. And, but all I'm eating is plants. So I'm all, all I'm eating is plants. That's it. I'm not eating anything else. I'm not eating any meat. No, no eggs, no chicken, none of that. Mm. So I'm like, well, this works, right? Yeah. So I go, well, this is, this is pretty powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I go, well, and then I start to read um, Dr. Tim Noakes' work, which is, a, if, you, if you want to read this book, it's called Real Food on Trial. It's, it's amazing. It's Tim Noakes gets done for um, putting out some tweets about nutrition. And he's basically, he was someone who said high carbs for athletes and then did that for like, said that for like 15 years, written a book about it. And then Tori's book up said the whole thing was wrong. You need to go down to high fat, low carb to perform well. Um, I love that, that someone can admit when they're wrong. He tore his book up. Opinion. Tore his book up. Tore the chapter out of his book on, on camera and said, this is an absolute load of crap and threw it out and, t- and just says, I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, and this is a, a well-respected scientist. Anyway, so I then realized that after through more reading, cholesterol in itself isn't bad. You need it. It's it's positive. It creates your sex hormones. It's in every cell in your body. It makes up the phospholipid layers in your skin, in your membranes, um, and in your organs. And then I'm like, well, so then I'm, and I'm now at this point, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I'm strong. So now I start to put animal products back in. So I start to eat eggs, but I haven't. So up until a couple of weeks ago, I hadn't had a piece of red. I haven't bought a piece of red steak mm. since I was 27, and I'm now 35. Like it's a bit more expensive now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive to eat healthy. <laughs> I think nice. everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then I go through this whole like, to, so then I start to put in just um, eggs and so forth. And then my cholesterol has slowly gone back up to like six. But the highest risk of death for me is now till about 45 based on my condition. So, but the only outlier I have is high cholesterol in terms of everything else. I'm in the top you know, 5% of the world in terms of like, that sounds very arrogant. But if you're lifting weights three times a week yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're exercising cardiovascular-wise three times a week and you're eating relatively healthy, you're in the top 5% of the world. Of, of just everyone chances of dying? Or you're in terms of like what health. you're... In terms of health, in yeah. terms of like 75% of Australians now overweight, yeah. of those people aren't... Of the 25% who are left, some are exercising. I think everyone's trying. Mm. Everyone's trying to be healthy. No one wants to be unhealthy. Um, so yeah, then I go through this sort of like transition to... Um, they're not eating red meat only and just eating chicken breasts and eggs and and I went full and then I went full keto. Yeah. So then I get into triathlon and now I did the triathlon and now I'm like, well, I, there's a period of time where I was measuring my blood every morning for about a year and a half and I'm just doing full keto. Like, and I lost a lot of weight mm. and talking to your point about losing weight. So anyone who loses weight quickly when they go carnivore, it's just because you're dumping lots of carbohydrates out of your system mm. and carbohydrates hold a lot of water. So if you go from eating carbs to not eating carbs, you'll dump like lots of weight real quick. Yeah. Sodium, you talked about getting cramps. Yeah, so I'd started getting cramps within my calves for no reason. Not like after a run, not after a heavy weight session or anything, just wake up in the morning cramping. From and From, I'd no. probably removed too many carbs. Yeah. I wasn't having fruit. Sodium. I just like wasn't conscious of what I was eating and I was like, I'm having my chicken, I'm having some broccoli, I'm having some steak, I'm having oh. some whatever uh, because I'd put the meat back into my system and I just sort of... Lost focus, and then yeah, I was I like, like, "Fuck!" I've not been eating fruit, yeah, which is a good source of carbohydrates. Yeah, and you, you've changed a couple of variables at one time, mm. which is yes. always hard. So you've you've just probably reduced your carbohydrates. You've now dumped off a lot of water in the cell, and you've probably lost probably lost a lot of sodium from the other foods you're probably eating as well. So mm-hmm. 
sodium, magnesium, those things are associated with cramps. Um, muscle energy, so obviously muscle glycogen, storage energy in your muscle and liver. You only store carbohydrates in the muscle and the liver. Mm. Um, so you've obviously probably depleted those as well. And then obviously a, a tired, stressed muscle, dehydrated, lack of salts usually causes the cramp. So yep. that's mm. what we sort of know. There are obviously autoimmune diseases cause as well, but that's that's another conversation. But yep. um, so yeah, you went so to meet and you're dumping all... You lost a lot of weight. Yeah. So yeah. And so then I um, I go keto, and then I'm all I'm eating is basically fats. And then what I did notice was that day to day, I felt amazing in terms of like my energy levels were. And everyone says this: energy levels are sustained all day. Like sustained, you, just, yeah. you just sustain energy. Like before, I was like in my early twenties, I was just eating refined. I was eating sandwiches and wheat bix, and mm, that's mate, the stuff. I used to drink a liter of custard in my teens. <laughs> like <laughs> we all did stuff, mate, bro. Like all at once. Or, Two times a week, mm. liter of custard, two liters of chalk milk. Yeah, mate, we, smashing it. But we all did it. Like we, that's how we grew up. Yeah. Like I, used to, I used to have fourteen weeks in the morning. My mum would kill me. How like, many do you do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I couldn't think any worse now. Like, like fourteen weeks in the morning, Jesus. Like, so yeah, I think over that time, I think that the context is important for and from like an evolution standpoint. Like you've got to try things. You've got to put things into practice. Yeah. Do they work for you? Do they not work for you? Do can you sustain it? Do you believe in it? If you believe it, it's probably going to be better beneficial for you too. Yeah. So if you if you generally believe that going carnivore is going to be better, um, it's going to be better. But uh, the, the more 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 of the point is that you're reducing a lot of refined crap. Yeah. That's the main point. To that all seems these to be the common factor yeah. amongst every person we've got on to speak any sort of diet. Anyone that I speak to, yeah. it's always been eliminate the shit, and you're going to see some pretty a, fucking good benefits. If it's in a packet. Just yeah. Well, like, crap, and your point to seed oil. So like, it's, with this obesity epidemic is just sort of like skyrocketed since like the 50s, 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're now, I suppose I saw the set the other day that by 2035, more than half the world's going to be overweight. Like <sighs> significantly overweight, not just overweight, like bad. I bet you they won't be in China or India. Yeah, well, <laughs> they won't be. Like, yeah. It's fucking... Demographics. I, I saw a real location. funny little video clip of uh, someone said, do you know why uh, an Indian... Uh, Indian's talking to his mom and goes, I want to move to America. He goes, why? He goes, because even the poor people are fat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's bang on. Yeah. It's like geographical location can dictate that in the Western world. But a lot of the things that we... So in terms of sugar, like it's, it's in 80% of the products in our shopping, uh, in our grocery stores, right? And then seed oils are like one of those things where like, I'm not an expert on seed oils, but they're in a lot of things and they are not good, which is the general consensus of everything I've read and seen and done. Um, You've got polyunsaturated fatty acids. You've got saturated fatty acids. There's, there's all these types of fatty acids. We know that good sources of fats from animal products and you know, avocados and those sorts of things, they're all generally gen- good sources of fats. And is saturated fat good or unsaturated? Well, the research coming out now is that saturated fat isn't as bad as what they thought it was. It yeah. just depends on sort of... Ha- if you're getting it from refined foods, then that's usually because it's processed seed oils, um, canola oils, um, you know, peanut oil, all those oils... They're not healthy and they're in everything that's processed. So if you take all those out mm. and you're going carnivore, keto, you, you're getting rid of all that. Yeah. But you Pro- can still be an unhealthy, you still be an unhealthy vegan. Mm. Like vegan cookie, yeah. like you can still eat sugar as vegan. So yeah. I guess the um, biggest impact I've seen in changing something in regards to seed oils was I stopped drinking almond milk. Yeah. Fuck, man. Have it just look, melted off my guts. Have a look at what's in like soy milks, almond milks, like what Bristers use for your coffees. Coffees from a coffee place taste amazing. But then you grab the packaging and look what's in it. It's just packed full of crap. And seed packed oils. Sugar, seed oils. Can sugar. we um, break down for the listeners two things? Um, first one, when you're saying seed oils, this is just oil that we use to cook or 
process things with that come from some form of plant seed. Is that right? Yeah. So like think of like um, like canola oils, things like that. They've all been heavily processed. They've been conde- they've been squashed. There's no there's very minimal oil in those sorts of things. So like canola oils from a canola seed that's been squashed, yeah, and, and then the and then washed and refined, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously put into something, right? Yeah, to, remember to increase uh, its shelf life. Chris Dorman, your uh, mentor, he came yeah. on and he said like. Imagine the process you need to put a nut through Truth. to get milk out of it. Like, yes. there's a well, lot it of takes it. You two minutes in my room. <laughs> 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 uh, how, yeah. how good. Fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, why is this in in fashion at the moment? Who's who's identified all this seed? Oil because it's coming out more. In re- it's coming out more in research. Like they're finding that they're trying. Everyone's trying to piece together why we're getting fatter. Everyone's trying to piece out why we're consistently getting fatter and fatter with all the knowledge that we have today in the Western world, mm. why we continue to do this. So everyone's obviously dumping money into this and trying to figure it out. But there's a lot of um, articles now showing that when you eat rose refined food, yeah, it's it's hard to isolate. We isolate yeah, one thing's very hard, yeah, right? Yeah. So and then we can't do good evidence in nutrition studies because yeah. we're not allowed to do it anymore because you not you can't put someone in a room and tell them to eat something in a certain way for for six months. Which can, if you're in China, you can. Yeah, well, it depends, <laughs> depends where you live. Actually, I think the government <laughs> just did that to us for two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, put us in a fucking room. Yeah, told yeah. You yeah. when we could. That would have been a really that would have been a really good opportunity though to do some serious nutrition <laughs> studies. Like we're gonna have like Perth do this, Melbourne do this. Yeah, Darwin, you're doing that. Who He's says locked they, in your they hotel work? room? They huh? could have been doing that they could have been doing that <laughs> who knows you know there was a climate change study that happened through that as well by accident yeah. so yeah, the, yeah. Carb- the carbon um, emissions did not change not at all it yeah. kept increasing yeah so it showed that the actual carbon emissions were not affected by the lack of uh, what we're looking none of us here are smart enough to talk about climate change no exactly yeah. so but, that's, that's but excuse me I'm a straight white <laughs> male <laughs> I can say what I want on the podcast I demand a platform <laughs> but don't, that is quite strange but like I, yeah, yeah we'll, I guess we'll, we'll say that we'll try to get a climate scientist on. That'd be yeah pretty, that'd pretty be great if you get a climate scientist I'd be very intrigued to listen to that because like they're saying like because the earth, I'm not, we shouldn't even talk about it because I don't no, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go, you can say it because you're saying what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, like, but obviously when like the ice sheets melt, they're, they're holding a lot of carbon. Yeah. And then as they, as they're melting, they're releasing it. As the trees are being chopped down, they're, they're storing it. And then obviously now they're, de- now they're no longer there. Oh, yeah. We can't trap it. The oceans are now, like the Great Barrier Reef is dying. And it's going to be gone in 2035 apparently. But is it carbon? Because don't we need carbon dioxide? Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. But and we need a lot of it. But anyway, the pressure we, differential is yeah. putting more into the ocean. We're not, we're, but. Oh, Oh, that's a we good sh- point. We shouldn't talk yeah, about We definitely shouldn't talk about it. We should talk about climate change. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry. So um, seed oils um, and is is in the oils, is that your polyunsaturated and saturated fats or is it a different kind of fat? No, there's, there's certain types of ones. Like I'll be remiss to say here and say that I know them all. Yeah. But polyunsaturated fatty acids um, associated with that and then saturated fatty acids as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the chemical bonds and like all those sorts of things, that's – that's someone I think I remember from year twelve chem. Saturated just means everything has a hot potential a hydrogen on the end of it, and yeah. an unsaturated ones where the bond can break and and um yeah, I'm and, and join with something else. Yeah, I'm backing you in there. Yeah. It's been a while since I've done chem. So part of my so part of my nutrition qualification was to do biochem. It's very in depth, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that's the one thing. Like you go through a nutrition um, diploma or degree, whatever you want to call it, and there's a lot of conflicting evidence. Like yeah. we know that if you you eat low carb you get better at oxidizing fat as a fuel. But then there's been no evidence to suggest that in performance, it helps. Mm. Which in, you're thinking like a long distance triathlon where you're going for 10 hours, mm. that if you're better at burning fat and you're better at um, storing, well, if you're better at burning fat and you're not using carbohydrates as much in a triathlon, for example, 
that by the end of the race, you should have more carbohydrate left yeah. to perform well if you're oxidizing more fat yeah, as a percentage. That's logical. Like that's a logical theory. Yeah. Like, well, like, so well, that makes sense to me. So that, but then they've got no evidence to suggest that it actually does improve performance. Yeah. So so how does your body know which to draw from first? Is that because of your diet? The intensity. Training well, it? there's the intensity of the exercise yeah. and then obviously what you're putting in. So if you put in, like if you want to go for a zone, I think I talked about this last time. Yeah. If you want to go for a zone two run and you have like a bowl of oats beforehand, you're now going to preference oxidizing carbohydrates as a fuel source rather than burning fat just because it's in your gut just because you've now ins- you've now released insulin yeah which obviously upregulates the uh, glycolysis mm-hmm. okay and obviously going to use a lot more sugar to then perform that low intensity activity right so, so does it create a, a better performance though by using the, those carbs or? well not if well not if the goal was to go zone two mm. and ah. then oxidize fat it depends on context if the goal is to you know go through a zone two run and oxidize more fat than carb <sighs> then having the carbohydrates prior is probably not the best thing. But if you want to go have, like I did a 10K threshold run on the weekend mm. where I had a big bowl of oats prior because I needed to use carbohydrates for a fuel source. Mm. Anything under an hour, you probably get away with not having carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, it's it, context. It fucking is, fascinates me because like, isn't is your body just going to do what it does for this right situation? Like, well, isn't it, or do you train it to it's do environmental something different? As, no, you, you can train it to do something different. That's environmental. Like it, that's like, it's... You need to understand that when you are putting yourself in a situation to get stronger, fitter, eat different, you are changing somewhat of the process. Like I think ultimately, like if you go with that food for three days, mm. your body's going to make glucose from mm. fat. So you go through ketones. You need sugar for your brain to work. So if you don't have to eat a carbohydrate ever again. But and Americans have heaps of sugar and their brains don't work. <laughs> 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 uh, this sounds bad. When, when listening to Americans talk on podcasts, I just think you're like the worst in education in Western society. Mm. They're ranked like 25th out of 30 in the Westernized countries. Yeah. Um, they have this polarizing uh, view. Are we a bit lower than them though? We? Nah, I'm, I'm <laughs> not sure if we're lower or <laughs> if, we're better, if we're better or yeah. we might be on par. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, it's definitely polarizing and it depends on who you talk to and who you listen to. Obviously, yeah. we tend to sort of conform biases to who we listen to. Um, well, that's what I do like. Do you know what I like about you, Corey, is you're able to change your opinion. You're, about to, you're able to grow and change. And that's actually probably the one thing that stood out to me that you said when commenting on the Anthony Chafee episode, you did suggest that, and we don't know if he's done any further research, but he did say he come up with this conclusion 23 years ago and he's stuck with this since what, so one thing that sort of yeah throws me off is when someone hears something at the age of 20 mm. and then doesn't change your opinion for 23 years on it mm. now i don't know if that's like a podcast you're going to get any snippets like this guy sat down and spoke for three hours yes yeah. if you spoke to him for 20 hours you'd probably get a lot more of the picture but if i hear like in science class that you know this is like fruits are killing you i don't eat them mm. and i don't change my opinion for 23 years and continue to do that that's to yeah. me that's i feel like you need to change your you change your opinion in the face of good solid science. Yeah. Now the hard thing is, like to his argument or anyone else, like, it's it's very hard to find good evidence in nutrition studies. Yeah. That's why it's very polarizing. You can sort of say what you want and get do away you, with it. And do yeah. you think that's by design? Do you think that's uh, like because we look at the and we can talk about the food plate, the food pyramid, and the changes yeah. in that because that was obviously we pretty in t- insane what we've seen recently. Yes, is going on there. Um, actually, to talk about that because it's not a black and white like this is better than that. No, like they, so they've got criteria of what they deem to be healthier food. So if you do the research and read the articles, they talk about like there's like they have like nine criteria of how they rank their food. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that came out of that article was uh, the article that was released that said cereal was better. Yeah, than like lucky ground beef. lucky charms lucky or something. Charms. Like, yeah, so <laughs> they, they take into effect. So it's just an algorithm. They, uh, they've designed an algorithm. 
have you ever eaten American cereal? It's oh, fucking so good. Yeah, it's just sugar. It's so it's the sweetest. It's How so is a bowl good. of Captain Crunch or Lucky Charms better than ground beef? Mate, the fact we even sell cereal surprises me. The fact we can still get away with selling cereal. But the reason why is because they... They have all these these algorithms they build into their, their systems because obviously they I think they analyze like eight thousand foods, and they if it's fortified with minerals and fiber and fortified with magnesium and all these other types of things that we need folate, vitamin B twelve. So if you're a vegan, you don't get much vitamin B twelve. Mm. So a lot of cereals are fortified with that. So they they have all these ways to measure it. When and you say fortified, what they've just added? They've in. added it in. Yeah. So they've added in like because a lot of people aren't getting enough, they're not eating enough healthy foods. Yeah. They've got to fortify the crap food with stuff in there. Yeah. So which is why these things get higher ratings. And then it goes on like the percentage of sugar. Like if it's, so you know when you, look, you read a packet and it says, it might say 20 grams of carbohydrates mm. and it might have one gram of sugar. Mm. That is a healthier source of carbohydrate because it's yeah. a low glycemic index. It's not going to give you a massive spike in blood sugar. Yeah. You'll spike, you'll definitely have a, a glucose response. But if you see 20 grams of, like in chocolate, you see 20 grams yeah. of, Carbs, it's, it's 20 grams, grams or 19 point, <laughs> 19.8 grams of sugar. Yeah. You're getting a, a, an insulin you know, sugar response to that. So they, like when the study, the study had whole grains versus refined grains, mm. it got a better mark. Wow. So just that's where it all came from. And what, the cool ref- refined got better mark? No, 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 the whole grains. Okay. The whole, just the whole grains, how they're obviously produced uh, versus a, a heavily refined cu- uh, um, grain going for the process of being... Um, stripped of its nutrients, washed, yeah. coloured, whatever. Going There's a cool experiment you can do um, that I used to do with my year seven and eight to prove Corey's point about them adding stuff in. I think it was with either Special K or um, one of the uh, some of your cereals. You crush it up and you get a magnet and yeah. you can literally take out the magnesium particles that will be magnetised. There you go. Because magnesium, potassium, that's actually just metals in your body. Yeah, so yeah metals, yeah. Yeah, and calcium. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Incredible, oh, you eh? can actually uh, that trips me out. But is that feature. necessarily a bad thing? Like the magnesium. I put think in that's there? good that it's in there. That's in but there. it's like I didn't realize that. Well, like you know, I think they just talk shit as a marketing mm. thing, and to actually crush it up and show the kids, it yeah. was, was awesome. Yeah, but yeah, Kellogg's have an interest in your health. <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> yeah. They don't care about your health. What do you mean? Yeah. No, didn't <laughs> wasn't so, so Kellogg uh, from memory? I'm probably I'm probably going to butcher this. Did do you know much about Dr. Kellogg? No, he ba- it, it was made to. Uh, yes Fuck Cornflakes was made To stop sex Or abstinence It yes. was like a Christian A Christian To, to lower thing. testosterone There you go So they fed it And then he just turned it Into the biggest Fucking cereal brand In the world Yeah, yeah if you eat cereal You definitely lower your testosterone That's for sure It's definitely yeah. not something You want to be eating lots of That's for sure Yeah so, And this is where like But is that That's obviously That's how it's been confused So they're not actually saying Really it's healthier They're saying no. it's providing yeah. The minerals in the It's just providing more Than what the, the ground beef Was providing The ground beef obviously has lots of good stuff in it yeah. uh, but they just managed to pack more shit in this yeah. but on so the, they can do it artificially but on the negative side it's also giving you fucking 10 times more sugar and fucking oh, all this other yeah. bullshit that yeah. you shouldn't be having you're not eating cereals and being healthy yeah. put it and way. if they're looking for just that component and comparing it all on that just that component then of course they can yeah and the guy came out afterwards dogs. and obviously he's, he's he's been doing this his whole life research wise he's done multiple versions of it and he said look yeah of course we got, we got backlash and mm. he goes we're obviously trying to refine it every single year but it's very hard to create a system that ma- analyzes all foods and gets it all right at one time so he's like yeah we, we know that we need to work on it um, this was taken way out of context well they do have a system that's right at all times yeah being vegan yeah ask <laughs> them <laughs> <laughs> yeah <It's>, um, <laughs> What was your? Um, I wanted to ask you now that that, that prompted me. Um, you you went through everything you'd done. Yeah. Mm. What did you find 
is ultimately the best for you. That yeah, because we're all biodiversity. Yeah. But I buy that. Bio I camp. feel like the high fat thing makes the most sense. Yeah. So let me preface this with. This is another spanner in the works, right? So your genetic makeup can dictate how you store body fat. So if you speak, if you listen to a, a neuroscientist, they can tell you that fat and weight gain is, resides in the brain. Okay, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he, he talks about that. You talk to a, a nutritionist, they think it's food. You talk to somebody who talks about exercise, mm. it's, it's, it's exercise. Like I used to say exercise is way more important. It's, mm. it's so not. If you want to lose weight, nutrition is by far the most important thing. Don't even waste your time trying to exercise to lose mm. weight if your diet's poor. Um, but going back to your point, I think for me personally, this is my journey, that I found that being lower carb, I definitely perform way better. Mm. I look better. I feel better. I don't get energy slumps. Um, it's, and it's when I say low carb, I'm talking about low refined carbs. I'm not eating your cereals, your breads, your pastas on a regular occasion. Now, if I go to a party and like there's something there like – Five years ago, I left. I left a wedding one time to go get some food. Like that's how anal I was about it. <laughs> Nowadays, I'm like, well, you've, you've got to live your life. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and leave uh, a party. I, I, I can have something yeah. you know, on one sitting. But I know when you start to take these things out of your diet and you put them back in, how mm. it makes you feel. Mm. So, more fat, 100 percent more fat. I think that was you've people heard talk about this all the time that. Fat was so it was shamed for so long, mm. and we know how important it is. That's it, true fat shaming. True fat shaming. That <laughs> yeah. is that is the real crime here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we know fat's important. We know if, if you're eating lots of fat, it's not going to make you sick and unhealthy and unwell. Mm. Um, depending on where you're getting it from, if you're getting it from like Doritos, yes, mm. it's going to make you sick. Um, so yeah, for me, lower refined carb, mm. real food. Um, I've I've eaten sort of eggs and chicken and stuff for the, the last you know. All my, all my life really but uh, when I went to that stage where I cut red meat out I didn't feel like I had any adverse effects to having no red meat yeah. um, I was eating and obviously like things like drinking and obviously as you get older you drink less you tend to care about your health more you, you just you're just more invested in your own health as you get older yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that does seem to, seem to be the thing like the older I get the more I want to take care of my body because optimize you, well life. you're getting it's so much harder <laughs> like you yeah. fucking hangovers you used to bounce up like the next day and go right. What's fucking next now? Now you're fucked. Or if you eat something poor now, yeah, like mm. you know, I, you I have, can see it straight yeah, away. You know, when you, you know when you have something bad. But like the weight gain. Like if if, I, if you go low carb for say just a week, you drop like three or four kilos straight away from water weight and um, mm. losing all your muscle glycogen. So you hold four hundred to five hundred grams of carbs in your system, and every gram holds three grams of water. Mm. So if you do that, you've just lost two kilos yeah. just by doing that straight away. Okay. Cool. So then you've got to go into like, well, how does it make you feel? Can you perform on this? And then now I'm at a point in my career where I work with athletes at a very high level, professional, mm. semi-professional, and I've got to try and get these athletes to perform optimally, mm. but also be healthy. So, you know, last week with my footy boys, I created like a, a weekly periodized plan of when they should be having their refined crap mm. and when they should be eating more real foods, low-carb foods. But then you've, if you want to perform well, this is one question I want to ask uh, Anthony, is that... You know, what is his exercise regime? Because I think if you're doing like a, a for me doing triathlon or he's still running a marathon or I'm not sure you're going to get the, and there's no, I did a bit of research before I came out here. There's, yeah. I can't find any evidence to suggest that doing a carnival diet is going to improve endurance performance. Mm. Like you probably get away with it in strength training and lifting weights because it's not as physically taxing. Mm. Um, like in an hour of lifting weights, you're going to burn 350 calories, 400 calories of um, um, energy. Will it, if calories are something you believe in and terms of like weight loss. negate performance? Uh, maybe I, I mean I, I can't speak to the evidence yeah. on it um, I know that well I can sorry I can know that if you're doing an endurance event and you're not 
fully loaded with carbohydrates and fueling with carbohydrates, performance is worse. Okay. So we know that. So yeah. for performance-wise, it's it's potentially and worse. I, and endurance I'm, performance. Yeah, yeah. Endurance, so we're talking about things that last yes. longer than an hour, right? So I find that very hard to fathom. Like when I'm reading, when I did my nutrition course, I read a lot of conflicting stuff mm. and I was like, I found it hard to believe what I was reading. So why... Does it make, why doesn't it make what, sense? Well, was it the Bible or something? <laughs> how is it? A, I don't know. How, how is that even a yeah. thing? I don't know. Um, so when you talk about, um, yeah, like yeah, the science. And the conflicting evidence. Uh, everyone's, conflicting everyone's got an agenda. Yeah, everyone's, yeah, everyone's an agenda. Like, and they can and change their agenda and identify whatever <laughs> agenda they want those days. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, not, I'm not touching that one. Um, yeah, I would avoid that. Yeah, if you don't want to touch it, <laughs> I would avoid that whole subject completely. Yeah, I'm not an expert. I should not be talking yeah. about that. So, but yeah, if you've got conflicting evidence and one study says one thing and one says the other, like what do you mm. trust? It's like Channel Seven versus or CNN versus Fox. Yeah. So, so you've got to go with what works for you. You've got to go with what can you sustain. All those sort of cliche answers. Mm. Uh, just you can rattle them off here as much as you like. Yeah. Um, but what I've found is that the people I've worked with. Even just like your thought process. So I had a client. So I don't work with clients one on one anymore. I just I just run the business. However, I work with the the top athletes. And every now and then I get a case where it excites me because it challenges. I don't getting someone fit and healthy is easy if they just listen to me. Mm. Right? If you just do what I say, you'll generally go. You'll go okay. Um, and where do you work? Yeah. <laughs> so. Getting someone texted. Text has done pretty well. Yeah. Oh, mate. Well, yeah. yeah the the, the transformation yeah. in text and just his like his uh, everything. Looks me, younger, mentally, healthier, yeah. 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 So getting getting the average, well, the everyday person to get fit and healthy is not a challenge for me in terms mm. of like if you just do this, it'll happen. But the hardest thing with that is getting them to buy into it and how do you phrase it in a way that they're involved and they they go okay I get it now. Mm. So an example is I had a lady come to me. She's been her Cairo emailed me saying, mate, she's seen every doctor, every PT. She's fifty years old. She can't lose weight. She's and she's adamant that she's doing the right thing. And I'm like, all right, look, I'll see, I'll see her. So we've seen her for an hour and a half, and I'm just listening to her talk about her journey. Like she's got all these things going on. Like she's lost um, lots of family members. Um, she hurt herself riding a horse. So there was this compounding things over years where she just constantly battered with emotional stress mm. but as she's talking everything she's saying to her everything she's saying to me is that i can't this doesn't work i can't mm. the language her internal dialogue was so thrown off by her experiences that she'd basically talked herself into not getting better yeah and i and i i don't normally do this and i you've got to pick your person yeah but i said it's all your fault like it's your internal dialogue is i don't want to get better i don't want to admit that i'm where i'm at and you need to find a way to um, reframe your mindset and start to build better habits. Self accountability. Yeah, and it's, it's also like you know, trying something for three weeks is not going to make you mm. better. Like to the point where your life is now changed. It takes Delby. consistency, right? <laughs> um, so I had this conversation with this lady, and I've, and I've, she's in tears now. Like she's like, "Fuck, you're right." Like, and I, I just said, and I just used examples of her conversation with me back yeah. to her. I said, "This is the mirror. This is what you said to me." I, I did this and I can't do this and I can't do that. I've tried that. I can't do this. I said, look, you're going to, it's going to take a few months, but this is what I want you to do. Mm. Anyway. So she comes in, uh, I see her yesterday actually. And she goes, I can't thank you enough. Like, oh, you can thank her enough. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I've, I've dropped seven kilos. Um, I'm, Cause her, her biggest thing was she couldn't get around day to day without being out of breath. 
I'm like, you're just unfit. Like, you're just at a point where you're eating crap food all the time. You're not exercising. You're just super unfit. Yeah. And she's like, it can't be that, Corey. Like, I'm, I'm walking. I'm like, walking's the minimum that anyone should do. <laughs> just, just, and it's not, I'm not, like, I'm not laughing at her. I'm yeah. just, it's just like people believe that, oh, okay, I walk in the morning. So that I should therefore be fit enough to do certain things. I'm like, yeah. So then she comes in yesterday and she's like, I've lost seven. I'm feeling amazing. Like, I'm not, yeah, I still struggle with things. I've still got a long way to go. Yeah. And the biggest thing I sit down with people is go, well, this is this is going to take years. You, mm. You've you've been in a situation like this for say five, 10, 15 years. It's going to take a long time to climb out of this hole. Yeah. And she's not sleeping well, and sleep's a massive thing. If, and I was like, if you sleep better, you're gonna lose weight. She's yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm like, just try and prioritize sleep, yeah. and you're gonna you're gonna lose weight. Yeah. And now she's obviously eating a lower refined carbohydrate. She's still having carbohydrates, yeah. uh, but lower refined, and just eating normal foods. And then now she's obviously had, you need to surround your environment. Get an environment where people are like-minded. Get out and her whole family was the same. Yeah. And now the whole family's changed. Now all the family are like exercising and losing weight and getting and getting results, which is great. But now I've just got her to do a park run once a week. Yeah. Go to your park run. Everyone there is trying to do the same thing. I don't care if you walk it. Just yeah. walk the 5Ks and get a time. Yeah. And now her times are coming down and she's a better each week. And like, yeah. it's just amazing. Like, But she couldn't see her internal dialogue. It was just thrown off. You're almost sports psychologist as well now because... Self-talk. Well, that's, but yeah. that the the mental side of things. Yeah, I'm I can fucking not. resonate with that, man. Like my self-talk before I got my back was, "It's fucked. It's never going to get fixed." And that was from every experience I had. No matter what I was doing, it fucked it. But when I found somebody that presented me with scientific evidence, all the studies, he was up to date. He's like, "Give this a go. This will happen. It's going to hurt, yeah. but that's normal." Yeah. You know, whereas everyone else was like, do this, and it would fucking kill. And I'd be like, well, yeah. But don't you think it, it reaffirms oh, your belief? Exactly. It just reaffirms, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just solidifies. So I'm the same as you. So I'm limping every day for seven years with my ankle because I've got a severely damaged ankle and I've got arthritis. And I'm like, this is who I am. This is this is it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be Corey Green walking around limping every day for the rest of my life from the age yeah. of 20, like this. And then I go, I get to 27, and after this whole stress incident, and, and, you know, my, and I start to really analyze what I'm actually doing with my life, my food, I go, well, hang on a minute. I'm actually eating a lot of, a lot of crap. So yeah. when I eat like shit carbs now, I wake up the next morning. I haven't done anything. I'm limping. I'm yeah. like, there's genuine stuff going on here with inflammation. Like this is genuinely happening to my body. I'm getting inflammation caused by the foods I'm eating. And when you drink, you get inflammation. So when you drink the next day, like, I'll wake up, I'm limping like yeah. bad. It's, pro- it's yeah. probably the most empowering thing, taking self-accountability for everything, even when it's not your fault. Yeah, you, It's like you take complete control. And that's not just with health and diet and, and physical uh, fitness. That's with anything. That's with like quitting your jobs and, and like where, where you are at in life and relationships or whatever. If you take complete accountability, you have complete control. And it just gives you this empowering feeling of like, oh, yeah, well, uh, it's not out of my hands. I'm not out of control. I can actually make the change and make the difference. It's massive, massively damaging to ego as well because for you to actually admit, well, nah, my, my diet shit. It is me. You know, it mm. is me. Then you you got to fucking drop your ego and, and go, right, you're fucked. You're doing the wrong thing. And that's the same thing with changing your opinion about nutrition. You've got to kill your ego because you're an expert. And if you just fucking dig yourself in the trenches yeah. and you believe that same thing, it's it's all ego death. And you might be right for a majority of the things you're talking about. And I, mm. I think most people, everyone is trying to do the right thing and everyone's trying to get people healthier. And I get that. Um, but ego is massive. And yeah. if Ego is the Enemy is a great book uh, by Ryan Holiday. And one of my boys who plays the West Coast, I've, he, he exerts ego. Yeah. And I've given him this book. And I said, if the book title offends you, 
you need to fucking read it. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and laughed. He goes, all right, no worries. Anyway, he texted me the next day that night going, incredible. I can't believe it. Thank you. Like, you finished the book in fin- one I'm night. like, what do you mean you finished the book in a day? He's like, I couldn't put it down. Like, just read the book in a day. I'm like- What's it, What was what, it called? Ego is the enemy. Ego is the enemy. Mm. So, really, gonna, so when one. it comes to this, like, as you get more successful in your life and your career, it, it's, it's hard not to get a bit of an ego. Yeah. But sometimes you need a bit of a reality check and sometimes you need to go, well, this, this situation, I need to sort of go, all right, put my hand up and go, this wasn't the right information to give to someone. Mm. And I think everyone can sit here, no one can sit here and go, I provide information to everyone and it's been right all the time. Like that's not how yeah. it works. Um, it's, John, look, this didn't work. I, provo- I told people to eat high carbs for a long time because like, mm. that's what I got taught. And by the way, a balanced diet, which we're told to eat, according to the government, is 45 to 65% carbohydrates. That is not balanced. Mm. Balance is 30-30-30 or 33-33 across yeah. all. That's balanced diet. That's yeah. not, that's outweighing that sort of side of things. And then, and how we've been sort of fed the information is, is very different as well compared to like the funding and the research. And yeah. like that, he talked about the Coca-Cola um, funding more research than the NIH. Yeah. Nuts. How is that possible? Yeah. How is how is that even allowed? By the way, That's I, nuts. I think it's uh, one thing we're trying to do a lot of is trying to be open minded to have our ch- minds changed. We even came up with an idea of trying to prove ourselves wrong with our opinions on the COVID jab mandates, for example. Like, if we yeah. can prove ourselves wrong, yeah. well, then obviously we can then go, well, fuck, we're we're pushing the wrong message. We can change it, or we're going to prove ourselves right and be vindicated. Either way, mm. and same with um, I think it's next week, next Friday. I think we've got a body positivity act. act advocate oh, coming on. on Wednesday Heidi Anderson and that's yeah. going to be a really good conversation because she potentially could move our minds in certain ways on certain areas of, of our opinions in that area so I think I like to think me and Delby are trying to do our best to be open minded to have our minds changed it's hard because fuck if we were wrong on some of the things we've been pushing for the last two years yeah. it'd be a fucking big pill to swallow but um, I think to be a better person and a, and a better podcast, and, and so we do need to be able to but be you, open to change. You never minds. hear those stories, right? You never hear the ones who have done a carnival diet and fucking crashed and burned, or and a lot of times, depending on you, like I'm like you, extremist in like a lot of things I do. So I'll do it. I'll do it to the nth degree, mm. but I'm obviously learning to find the gray. So if you do, if you take it to the extreme and you've gone from eating this way and you change six variables, and now like you're not eating carbs, you're not eating fruit, you're not eating vegetables, and you're just eating meat. There's going to be, like, and like, as you said, there's going to be a, a significant portion there, two or three weeks, where you're going to be struggling big time. Yeah. Um, and they think they, from what I've read and researched and so forth, they find that when you go to like a higher fat diet and you get off and you wean yourself off carbohydrates, there's definitely a two or three window. So I've worked with people and one of my good mates um, is, I've done this with him. I've explained to him, if you explain from the start, mate, you're going to have poor energy levels for the mm. first few weeks because he's just a trader, he's eating carbs all day. Yeah, and then when he goes to transition to high fat, he finally gets to the point where he, it, the penny drops, it clicks. I understand what this is making me feel like, mm. but once again, he did that for a while, and he's now he's introduced carbohydrates back into his diet because he's training a lot as well. So you yeah. need, and that's one thing I wanted to ask him. Sorry, was you know what's his training schedule now on one piece of sacred day? Is he trying? To, is he performing? Because we know from um, cardiovascular research that high intensity you need carbohydrates to perform. Mm. So if you're doing high intensity above 80% of max heart rate, you need carbohydrates to perform well and you can't break down... Perform in regards to like in athletic Yeah, athlete, I'm talking about like... Performance? Yeah, or? athletic performance. Or someone going to like doing like a, a, a 10K run or a, a hard effort at the gym for like from a cardio perspective. Mm. Uh, we know that you need sort of carbohydrates to perform well because you can't break down fat fast enough and convert it to glucose in order to perform well enough. Because... Um, 
uh, Squirly, uh, producer sometimes comes on the podcast a bit. He, after that podcast, dived into the carnivore diet and he said he didn't notice a an increased level of um, like this feeling of, you know, every, more energy. Yeah. What he noticed was this level of no dip. Yeah, just con- consistent energy. Levels. Yeah, so wha- what was the, what's, why, what's the cause of that? Well, I mean, once again, context is king here. So it depends on what he was eating first. But if he's taken away a lot of his refined carbohydrates, like when you eat those foods, you just get this constant level of blood sugar levels going this all throughout the day. And yeah. I experienced this in my early 20s where you, you have breakfast, you feel okay for an hour, then you get tired at 10 o'clock, and then you have a snack, and you feel good, then you get tired. Okay. Have lunch, and then you get tired. Um, so what you're doing is obviously just trying to control. So people use like a lot of CGMs now, like constant glucose monitors, where they're actually tracking, they're putting the back of their arm or they're, sticking on themselves and then it's literally watching their blood sugar levels throughout the day depending on what they eat mm. is there any benefit to increasing blood sugar levels or is that just for fl- fight or flight responses uh exercise wise you, you need it yeah. so if you're trying to perform you need um sh- sugar up depending yeah. on what you're doing um fight or flight yeah i think is definitely part of it obviously the adrenal the adrenal glands but if you're eating and then sitting down doing fuck all well that's what that's why we're all yeah. sick and fat is because we're not we're not doing that we're not getting to our primal instincts in terms yeah. of like um you know, fight or flight. We're not getting in a situation where someone's trying to choke us out and we've yeah. got to try and survive. Um, we're not getting that sort of response. And this is why... Do you think that's why it's important that we do put ourselves in these sorts of hard situations? To stress, improve? Yeah, stress, stress, stress the system to adapt and feel better. Yeah. Uh, but this is why if someone takes steroids, for example, they can eat pretty much whatever they want. And no matter what they eat, they're going to look good and they're going to look big and shredded, okay? And this is why you obviously know the liver king. Yeah. Mate, when that guy got exposed, when, when someone sent, sent me his thing, goes, look at this guy's ancestral eating, like this has to be the way of the future. I'm like, the dude is taking serious amounts of steroids. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Like, he, he looks, how can you not tell he's on steroids, yeah. right? And then he, he makes a video where he's like himself as a doctor throwing a clipboard on the table saying the blood results are in. It's all ancestral. Like uh, there's nothing wrong with me. It's, I'm all, all my blood but it's clean. I'm like, dude, you're a fraud. Yeah. So people who are taking anything i've worked with one person in my 15 years who've taken who's taken steroids and i'm telling you right now they weren't eating healthy whatsoever yeah. and they had a very active social life and gets leaner put on eight kilos in 12 weeks of muscle of well of lean tissue yeah. not much of it was there would have been a bit of fat there it was it might have been 15 weeks but um we're talking about you can consume pretty much whatever you need when you're taking exogenous testosterone why, why is that is that because it processes Hor- it quicker hormones it just yeah. ho- hormones going back to calories in versus yeah. calories out this is where like i think hormones are a massive part of weight loss and weight gain yeah okay so when testosterone's up you're leaner mm. we know that from research when testosterone's low you, you generally hold more body fat mm. um women obviously have more estrogen than we do um depends on the woman in 2023 it does <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but it's just like it's like when kids go through a growth spurt. You know those kids who are like real short, fat, and pudgy? Yeah. Mm. And all of a sudden, they get like this growth spurt of testosterone, right? That's, yeah. that's when you're the most hormonal in your life, yeah. okay? And we can all attest to that. They just grow. They're not changing their diet. They're not eating less calories. They're not, they're not monitoring what they're eating. They're just getting this influx of hormones. And they yeah. get this nice big growth spurt. They get leaner, and they get taller, and they get stronger. So there's something to that. And yeah. we, it's very hard to pinpoint and find it in research and go, well, this is why. Yeah. But it makes sense. Makes sense from, yeah, it's one theory and it yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. And there are ways to naturally improve your testosterone, like that sauna and, and stuff like that. Lifting weights is the main one. Yeah. But that, uh, it obviously um, <clears throat> doesn't take away from the fact that liver king was obviously a fraud, but organ meat's still very beneficial to eat. And, and yep, high in lots of vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin B, all those sorts of things that you don't get from certain other foods. But yeah, still, still good things to eat. 
But, yeah. Um, Who's eating? How many people are going to eat organs? Like most people aren't going to go out and eat an organ. Yeah. Nah. In the general population, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Give, well, me, give me a number. Well, even like uh, if you if you are 10%? doing um, if you want liver for what is it lambs is it lambs fry lamb or? liver or chicken liver like you can't get that you can't get but you can't else. have you can't have the potato you can't have the sauce with it so like yeah you couldn't have it in a tasty way so you, salt yeah so i think that's an extreme it's a stream out extreme outlook on life and it's not going to get across to a lot of people um i think a lot of people will try it mm. and i think a lot of people will, will take some good things away from it like, like keto he's got his bad points low carb has his bad points they've all got something with them that you're like well that doesn't really make sense and mm. but most people aren't going to cut, cut out caffeine and so just a, and <clears throat> just a good balance hey mm. just a good balance of good clean I, food i don't think it's a balance i think it's i think it's more like on the side of eliminating shit yeah like it's when, mm. Yeah, we say balance in the fact that yeah, when I say sorry. balance, I'm not talking about 30% carbs, 30% fat. You know, yeah. as, long, as long as you're getting 20% fat as a minimum, you need that to survive and thrive. Um, but yeah, in the majority of the rest of it should be fat and then you can have a small portion of obviously carbohydrates. Um, but protein and fats are your main ones. And if research shows that if you, when you get like an isocaloric diet, so you get, say they eat 2,000 calories a day, half eat um, you know, high carb and mm. low fat and the other one eats high fat, low carb, According to research, they both get the same result. So they both lose weight or they maintain mm. weight or whatever. But then I would argue that everyone knows if you eat carbohydrates, you are hungrier. Mm. So it generally drives... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and the studies aren't long Doesn't enough. Doesn't satiate, satiate, no, satiate you. satiate you enough. So that's what good things about like meat are, like high fat cut meats and chicken thighs. And they're good because you can't eat lots of that. And it's very satiating. But whereas you eat like uh, breads... And, I can eat a whole loaf of bread in one sitting, no worries. Like easy, just I can put down a whole loaf of bread. I used to do that as a kid. Yeah. I think most people can, but you can eat donuts all day. You can eat sugar all day. You can eat sugar and fat all day. I can eat like sausages and meat all day. <laughs> yeah. I can smash a, that. It's very hard to eat a good cut of meat and like feel like and feel like you can overindulge in it and mm. actually have, want to have more and more. That's what I guess he did say that eat to your your your, your gut. I guess yeah. eat to your hunger is fulfilled. That um, was it. Um, but um, one thing because I keep on wanting to wrap it up. But there's well, uh, I got two. I got two. Yeah, I got one thing. Yeah. So. Um, we were talking about the vegetables and stuff like that and how he did suggest and like I said I, I think 90% of what he was saying was fucking bang on he was really good yeah. but um, one thing we didn't query him on and I did sort of really want to see if you knew anything on was like these carcinogens that he was talking about can yeah. you cook them out does our body digest them has it, has it evolved to work with them is it is it because it's fucking laced with pesticides and herbicides and stuff like that what's the what's yeah the look reasoning? i'm not going to sit here and say that i'm an expert at it like i'm not going to there are definitely from the things you read there are like more toxins in certain elements of fruit and vegetables and so forth mm-hmm. um but in terms of like cooking things and like denaturing stuff like i read a i read a thing this morning this is even more depressing that when you, like a calorie, like let's say one egg has 47 calories, when mm-hmm. you cook it, it actually increases in calories. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. so count, now counting calories is also like coming into like, well, can you count calories accurately? Because mm. if you're getting a, if you're weighing a piece of steak at 200 grams and putting it into MyFitnessPal and then you cook it and it somehow changes the, the denatures of protein. Where does the calorie come from? Oh, that's what I want to know. Like, no. I'll need to, I need to go back and find this out. Because the law of conservation of mass suggests that it's if you start with the amount of calories, well, it depends because I don't know the science what turns into a calorie. So if we don't have calorie receptors, by the way. So I'm not. Yeah, in terms of like the body counting it, the body's like counting calories. Mm. We're not going. Oh, you've got 200 calories in, so we're going to partition 100 calories <laughs> yeah. to your muscle yeah. and 20 yeah. calories to your brain. Like it's, it's not doing that. It's just taking what it needs from the food. So, um, 
But yeah, it's, it's an interesting point, and I don't I don't know the answer to that question. So I want to I'm definitely yeah. going to look into it further. But if we're at the point where we can't count calories, yeah, we and well, I mean, counting calories is is very it's actually quite easy now nowadays, but it's very tedious mm. and it becomes very like um i feel it's restricting and like it would almost make you not enjoy the process of eating food yeah and that's part of it so i think it's important that you just go going again eating good wholesome real foods that aren't processed and you're generally going to be okay and just move and exercise Which and is strength training getting hard to do because of the amount of nutrients in the land these days yeah um, and then the same amount of that as well. tomato compared to 30 years ago and by the way if you read the climate change book we're all fucked anyway so don't worry yeah. about it <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you believe greta thunberg we yeah. were fucked five years ago yeah, yeah so <laughs> if, you read, if you read that don't even worry about it so i feel for i just feel sorry for our kids the next generation is going to be in a world of hurt apparently we're all very it's very confusing all of this science, all of these studies, Too yeah, much we've touched on it. Some, yeah, yeah. But the um, the thing that you said uh, a little bit earlier in the pod that I want to hash on is uh, you said genetically some of us process stuff differently. That goes in direct opposition of what um, Dr. Anthony was saying. So do you think that people that go, I'm fat because it's, it's in my genetics? Some people are more predisposed to gaining weight than others and we know that through genetic studies. So we know that there is uh, certain components in our DNA that allow us to either one, store energy more or one, be... You know, we all have that one person we know who just eats whatever they want and they physically will not change. Mm. Like we, we all know that person. So they're obviously on that genetic spectrum where... And I think the... The epigenetic study that I read, they were saying that thirty, I think it's thirty to thirty-five percent of weight gain and um, and be, people's body shape can be explained by genetics. Obviously, the rest of it's going to be nutrition and how you move and those sorts of things. But so it wouldn't be obese, like obese people. No, we're not talking. No, no. I'm not saying yeah. if you're obese, like you, you're obese because you're eating, you're not not moving and you're eating mm-hmm. poor food choices. But yeah, what the point I'm trying to make is that, like me as Corey Green, that I, I know that I'm more sensitive to carbohydrates than most. Yeah. Um, whereas like I go on a trip to Europe, right? And this is a funny story my athletes laugh about, my staff laugh about. I go to, I, I finish Ironman, I'm 80 kilos, fittest I've been, two weeks later I fly to Europe and all I'm eating is just refined shit and because I'm just traveling Europe, I'm eating mm. like Belgian waffles and... Pastas and... Pastas. I mean, it, I'm in Italy for the last six days having a pizza every day and pasta and just like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this, this time. Mm. Why not? So, so me and my best mate, we both go together, we both pretty much eat you know, very similar amounts of food. I gained 13 kilos in five weeks. Same. And he gains five kilos in you know the same time. And he's thirteen kilos. Thirteen kilos. I mean, to be 13. fair, to, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, like obviously I just finished Ironman, so I'm now I'm yeah, eating yeah. well. And so I, I put on like the first couple of weeks were just eating heaps of carbs. So I just mm. gained like three or four kilos of water weight. Um, so I probably gained you know seven to eight kilos of genuine fat mass and water retention. And I look sick. We got a photo of me on the plane going, and a photo of me in the plane coming back. And I look sick coming back in five weeks. And it's, it's an obviously extreme example of me just being, I'm not counting any calories, I'm just binging on crap food. Yeah, yeah. drinking. It, drinking, and I don't drink here like during the week, I don't drink, I very rarely drink here. Mm. But I'm having a beer in every place I'm visiting because I yeah. want to experience the, their culture and what they're, what they're doing. Yeah, um, and it just in, relax and enjoy yourself as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I felt sick, like I generally felt sick when I was coming home. Um, and so for me, genetically, I know that I'm, more sensitive to that. Some people like can't don't sit well with high fat diets. They just they just don't like it. They handle it. They gain weight. Um, but there's so many moving parts to this. It's it's almost mm. impossible to go. Well, this is the answer. So it's nuts. Um, I think I asked you this the last pod, but if I I think Samo Sam Glashin, um told me this theory. Let's say I eat pretty well Monday to Saturday or whatever. 
Is there a theory where I can just smash as much food and shit on Sunday as I want and because your stomach can only process so much of it before you shit it out, that you, you might as well, if you eat a kilo of Maccas or five kilos of Maccas, it won't matter? Well, some of those, those guys that eat professionally as well, they do the same thing. In that makes sense way. in my, my head logically. logically. Does that work? Yeah. Logically, no. there's so every food has a bioavailability. Mm. So you can extract a certain amount of nutrients out of certain foods. Uh, I'm trying to think, I think with protein, it's up to like 40 or 50 grams in a serving. So once you get past that, you're now not actually act, uptaking any protein. Mm. Like, so you're going to excrete it out as urea um, or you're going to s- small store very small um, parts in body fat. Mm. So I don't know the number in terms of like how many calories you need to consume um, in, in one meal, but I know that when you over-consume food, you're not taking in all of the energy that's coming in, okay? Okay. Um, so, but it, that's so not far off what... Yeah, like maybe not yeah. far off, but like that's not a yeah. scientific answer. But yeah, there is definitely certain... Like we know through research that 20 to 30 grams of protein um, in your meals seems to be optimal. Once you get past sort of 50 grams, the, the bioavailability, your ability to uptake it is reduced. Mm. So we know that. So I don't know how, if that answers your question or not, but... So before we finish, I want to... Uh, go slightly away from nutrition. Well, actually, this is nutrition um, because you got your nutrition wrong in your last Ironman. You did very well. You got your best time PB from from memory. But it's what like, what like happened? Because because you were um I was 50. you were flying and then you 50. fucked up your nutrition. Did you? Well, it's two things. One that I I rode to Bustleton. So I rode from uh, my house in Malalu to to Bustleton, um, six weeks out from the race. It's two hundred and sixty k's. And then I ran 12Ks. I got, I got to Busso, got off the bike, and I just noticed my knee was sore. I was like, well, that's not ideal, but I could still run. So I ran 12Ks off the bike, and then I ran 30 the next day on Sunday. So I, ran, I rode 260, ran 42 over that weekend. Mm-hmm. But then I couldn't ride the bike again until the, basically the race week. And my, oh, my, wow. my knee was just – I just basically got like stress, um, a stress response in my bone. Mm-hmm. That was probably the main part of it. Um, but then on the bike, I had my race suits, which the pockets are terrible, and I lost half my race nutrition. And then I get about two-thirds... And the food fell out. The food fell yeah. out. So the food fell out my, my back pocket. So now I've lost all my energy. Um, so And this is the ironic thing with Ironman is you're just consuming refined crap the entire day. Mm. And you feel like crap after. It's obviously for multiple reasons. But anyway, so I lose half my nutrition out my pocket. And then I realize about 120 Ks into the bike with 60 Ks to go that I lose my straw out of my water bottle uh, with all my carbohydrate fuel in there. <sighs> so then I'm like, I can't even drink that. Um, so then I get to the... So then you I thought about putting your lips on the cup. It's like jammed in and you can't really pull it out and, and drink. So you can, I'm only taking... So I'm, but I'm still taking um, carbs from the aid stations, but it's just not enough. Mm. Um, and then anyway, I get off the bike and I'm feeling okay. It's a windy day, but I run the first 20Ks at where I want it to be. And then I just hit this like sudden wall. Like, and I hadn't had this before in an Ironman where I hit it that early. Mm. And I hit it at 20Ks and I was like... Of oh, the run. Of the run, yes. Mm. 20Ks in this run, it just hit me. I'm like, oh, and I just felt I had all my energy sapped. And I was like, oh, this is going to be... A-. And then the internal dialogue goes yeah, like, yeah. this is going to be a long 22Ks. Mm. And then now I'm mentally like just breaking down. Like, I'm like, oh, come on, you got this. And I go through... You ride that roller coaster. Mm. But at that point, I just hadn't topped up my nutrition enough. The last Ironman, I ran to 35Ks with no issues whatsoever. Um, and then obviously struggled the last seven, which is sort of expected. But to hit that wall at 20, was my nutrition was just not... Because I lost most of it, mm. was a big reason why I ended up bonking. And obviously my preparation going in with the bike was not as ideal as I wanted it to be. So, so there's an aid station. <laughs> Tell me. 
Yeah, you pull you pull over, you pull your pants down, and <laughs> <laughs> that was a race. Oh my yeah. god! Somalia. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that was um. So anyway, I didn't actually improve. Then then so my times for all three disciplines mm-hmm. were exactly the same as my last race a year ago. Oh. So I was filthy. Oh, the only annoying. the only thing I improved on was my transitions between getting between swim and bike and bike oh and fuck. Wow. So I improved by two minutes, and okay. I was two hours. Oh sorry, it was ten hours and two minutes and fifty seconds. I wanted to go sub ten. Uh, and I was just, and I crossed the line, and this, this is what I hate. This is regret straight away, and this is, I can't believe I did this. I was so filthy at like I saw a, t- a time flash up, yeah. But they have like a live rolling clock, which sometimes they just play the overall time of the day, and I yeah. saw ten hours ten, and I just given this, I just given it the finger. Like, <laughs> I've gone, you're, and it wasn't a finger to Iron, it was a finger to me. Going, I can't believe you've done this. You've got seven minutes worse. How is that possible? Yeah. And then I crossed the line and someone goes, oh, you got 10.02. I was like, what? I thought I got 10.10. 10, 10. It's like, no, no. You're, so I improved, but mm. a whole year had gone by. Mm. I didn't improve, so I wasn't, I wasn't too but happy. I mean, it. you add nutrition and water and surely you get a couple of extra minutes. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, right? So we know that through that, through carbohydrates are important in those yeah. long endurance events. We know that. And mm. just no victim mentality. That's what that sounded like that later. Well, I had it. So the at that moment of fatigue, I ego got the better of me by giving the sign finger i was disappointed at that moment that was me like on my knees fatigued like down and out yeah and obviously self-reflection like it was just all ego like it was and that race was ego driven and that's why i bombed out and that's why i failed and that's why when i read ryan's book over christmas i was like you're just a dick like you (laughs) you didn't need to do that and it was it's not good enough from someone who tried to model behavior to to others yeah i think you're allowed to express frustration you can you can but um and what was what was funny though is I've done four Ironmans now and they, you get like a video clip of you finishing the race. <laughs> <laughs> guess, guess what? This year I didn't get one. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. gone through, I reckon, and gone, nah, we're going to take that out. Yeah. And yeah. just said, I was saying, I'm the one. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, disappointing. Mate. But anyway. That's, um, that's, uh, been one of your best performances, I think, mate, on the podcast. Thanks. Better than Fucking last year's one. Same, <laughs> same amount of time. You improved by same two minutes. <laughs> I would be, yeah, I'd be, I'd be laughing so much what oh, it's been about be so an funny. hour fifty. So I imagine if it was an hour forty-eight, or yeah. <laughs> that would be so good. But um. Mate, fucking awesome episode. Um, you were on today. You must have had your sleeping. So, on, yeah, yeah um, my black coffee, my run, it felt good. But so. yeah, like some of those things, like t- uh, there, there's so much misinformation out there, and I yeah. just think um, people just need to do their own research. But get a professional. Don't don't say don't just say listen to this podcast and all of a sudden start implementing something straight away. Hey, yeah, 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 We are a valid <laughs> fucking source of information. <laughs> when you word. say do your research, you can't just Google shit. Hey, no, it's Google, so dangerous. Google Scholar. Mm. It's, yeah, you want to get better. scientific articles. People don't want to read scientific articles. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Like when people go on a podcast and then they go, "We'll put the show notes up and we'll put the research articles there." Mm. No one ever contacts you and goes, "Oh yeah, I want to see that article." Yeah, I actually try and reach out to people and say, mm. "Where's the article?" Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But do that. Do that. Read pro- read proper stuff. Mm. Um, and. You might need to do a little bit of training on how to actually read a, journal, a scientific journal as well because it's a different read than... Oh, it's very different. And how you interpret stats. Like, that's yeah. something that I need to get better at is interpreting stats and statistics. But anyway, it's a whole... Um, but uh, anything you want to plug before we finish? Um, obviously, Athletic Institute. Uh, no, not really. The business is going, we're getting some ice baths actually in in the next couple oh, of weeks. Sick. So we've got obviously infrared sauna and um, we're going down that recovery space in the process of de- developing probably a facility that's hopefully going to open sometime next year, but that's uh, in the early works. 
but yeah, look, just to see um, our athletes doing well. West Perth won the flag last year, which is fantastic. So yeah. into our sixth year now. Yeah. And I think we can try and uh, give a good run this year and um, to yeah, all my staff and supporters out there. You've actually added an ex-AFL player to your staff, Zach Langdon as yeah, well. Yeah, Langdon's mm. down here now. So he's uh, he got busy real quick, which is awesome. So of course a, he did. Having, <laughs> having someone from the AFL world come into AI and who's you know imparting their knowledge from that side of things is really important as well. Mm. And yeah, no, the, the gym's going well. She could get Zach on, actually. It's pretty unlucky. Yeah, what, pretty 70, 80 AFL games, yeah, hey, GWS? I, I think he was great at GWS. He yeah, got, good GWS. He got cut by a year early with West Coast. Yeah, just unlucky with that one. But um, no, he's a, he's a legend as well. So, yeah. But uh, thank you so much, uh, Delby. We've um, got, uh, what have we got? We've got uh, Xmouth coming yep. up. So if you know anyone that's in Xmouth or Coral Bay or in the area, April 18, 19, mm. and then we're back on the 20th. Um, and we've also got oh, Teacher Comedy. Teacher Comedy Night, April 12th. Which um, is going to be yourself, me, yeah. Adam Gray, and LeBron James. Yeah, so Kyle Legacy. So it's just a bit of a Boise, but it should be fun. Um, if you want a code, um, join Patreon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also... Up and joke two. Oh, up and joke two. You pump, came to the first I'm, one, hey? I'm pumped for this. Yes. Yeah. The first one uh, was surprisingly good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's actually good. It was it actually was, good. It was actually good. I was like, uh, I'm skeptical. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. no, nah, it was it was good. So yeah. I'm actually looking forward bit to it. Bit of a different one. vibe, same sort of structure, I think. Mm-hmm. Gonna aim at getting a bit more interactive. Yeah, a bit more fun with the crowd. Um and a different venue. The venue is sick. It's man. fucking sick. I went and checked yeah. it out the other night and it's it's the video that Buddha sent me and then that you sent look good, but I just didn't get the full scope of how good yeah. it's going to look. It's so going to be It's the old sick. North Shore. So it's Varsity now. Yeah. Um, but at the old North Shore. But just the layout has been accidentally fucking epic. Oh, like, it's going to be so good. So, and our green room is, is like an arcade. Oh, so yeah. Patreons are going to get um, – oh, maybe we'll say it at the start of the pod. Yeah, potentially. But yeah. Patreons will probably um, flick out a wristband and um, early seating. Hmm. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Oh, well, actually, we'll say it now. Um, yeah. We we're going to try hook up discounts and stuff, but it's too hard between the two podcasts. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to just have priority seating and stuff like that. Priorities. Yeah. So um, sick. Yeah. Um, you branch? No, nah, nothing. Oh, B32, B32 media. Yeah. Fucking uh, last day of West Perth on Friday, basically, or next week. Yeah. Um, I'll still be doing videos for them when they hire me and stuff like that. But the waffles going to hire me as well, so there'll be a, a stuff potentially still involved with them, but. It's pretty scary. Yeah. I was saying to you last night, like, yeah. yeah. Like, would you quit weddings to follow this? Like, it's fucking scary. Well, yeah, for this, um, if I was getting two and a half grand an episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, so, like, we're getting nothing. So, any sponsors want to come and help us out? And then if you want to hire me to uh, create your video content or manage your social media, yeah. I'm here. So yeah, He does a great job with us. So, he yeah. works mm. with us, obviously, been with us for five, six years now. So Now I can give you more. And now we love yeah. we love what he does, and yeah, get him on board. Sure, boy. Sick. Ah, cheers. Good episode. Stay healthy. Eat well. Mm.